Could not be more pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast, Matt Damon. Are you one of those Patriot fans that takes Lee in the Jets and the butt fumbling? Scene? I made the Liberace movie this year, so that's fine. <laughs> There's some butt fumbling in that movie, a, too. Just a wee little bit. <laughs> Larry David, good to see you, sir. I think a lot of writers can be offensive coordinators. What's harder? If I could write stories, why would I be able to draw up a play? He is none other than Broadway, Joe Namath. If Mark were to get the nod, and if he played decently, if, uh, if, what a big word for only two letters, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Cannavale. I told you my Derek Jeter story. I had Yankees, Atlanta, for the World Series. Screaming, screaming, screaming. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He doesn't even look at me. Finally, last at bat, eighth <laughs> inning, yeah. Jeter comes up. Derek! Just turn around, man! Just turn around! <laughs> Finally, he like dumb. He does the thing with the weight. He's about to go up. He turns around. He looks at me. He goes, "Bro, I hear you." <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer Rich Eisen podcast. Is your host, Rich Eisen. Hey, everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. We are in April of 2014, the first podcast of April, uh, first week of. Uh, one month from uh, now, we will be on the eve, the cusp of draft night 2014, the one in which Jadavian Clowney may go number one overall to the Houston Texans, as he said at his pro day this past week that he should go, that he should be the number one overall pick. That's the sort of talk I want to hear out of Jadavian Clowney. Not like uh, anybody else really cares about it, but that's the sort of thing that I, I want to hear from him. I want a little bit of the, that quarterback hunter in him on his sleeve a little bit. Good to see you, Chris Law. Good to see you, Rich. Welcome back from Thank vacation. You. Chris Brockman here in the flesh as well. Great to have the band back together. We got a good show. We do. Two in-studio guests I'm excited about. Adam Carolla will be here in studios. Uh, fans of this podcast, regular listeners of this show know... He has been uh, advocating for the raising, the extension of the uprights on the goalposts in the National Football League. Because as he says, how in the world can two 65-year-old men with cataracts standing underneath the uprights just look up as the ball sails past them and know whether it's really gone over the top of an upright, to the left or the right of an upright, when it's so close and the ball is so high up in the air as these sure-footed kickers are becoming a little bit more strong-legged each and every year. Why not raise the uprights? Be honest. When you heard that rule passed, wasn't Corolla the first thing you thought of? Well, when I heard it was being presented, table, yeah. that yeah. it was even up for discussion, now, was there I some, thought of Corolla. Was there some misunderstanding? Because I misunderstood, I think. I thought they wanted to raise the crossbar three or five right. feet. Did you guys hear I that? I thought that, too. But then when I heard that they were banning the dunking of the of the goal, of the the goal ball over the uprights, go uh, crossbar, they did that the day before. Or at least Dean Blandino let that cat out of the bag the right. day before when he went on DP show. Um, but didn't the to pay- me, that just shows you, again, sometimes the NFL just does not care if it's going to get slings and arrows sent its way. They should have just waited to the next day and say, listen, in addition to raising the uprights, we're now banning the dunking of the ball over the crossbar because you saw what Jimmy Graham did with these uprights now being five feet taller. It might be more top-heavy of a construct and thus easier to rip down with one paw of the hand. We put a man on the moon, Rich. We could keep that sucker up somehow. Uh, maybe so. I don't know. 
but it would have it would have prevented the whole no fun league, slings yeah. and arrows, as you accuse me of. I'm indifferent. When I agree, he, get off my he, lawn mentality. Well. But at any rate, Adam Carolla is going to be here in the flesh, nice. and we are going to celebrate with him the it's passage a, a of this moment. rule. Big moment for him. It is a big moment for him, and we're going to try and have a Patriot luminary call in. We're going to try. We can't promise. You don't know. But we're going to try and have a Patriot luminary call in. That's Somebody that Walker may or may not have been influential, correct? This person this person definitely was influential. Just, just a slight bit. If he calls in. If we're he, hoping, we're, you know, as you know, trains sometimes don't run on time and schedules change. We're going to try and make this happen. Fingers crossed. Keep an ear out when Corolla comes on the program. And then Ivan Reitman, speaking of Draft Day, the director of the movie Draft Day that's coming out on April 11th, he is on the show in studio as well. He's the director of that movie. His latest in, I mean, you look at his filmography. It's, it's amazing. It's of so a producer good. and a director. Yeah, you got to look at the producer because yeah, he produced Animal House. He didn't direct it. He directed three in a row, Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters. Okay? Doesn't Murder get much better than that. Then he did all those movies with Schwarzenegger, right? Yep. Yep, he's done those. He did Howard Stern's Private Parts. As a producer. As a producer. His son, well, look at what his son's done, too, and what he's passed on through yeah, that. Up in the air. His son up directed air, up in the air. Do you know, yeah. Um, Jason Reitman. Yeah. So Ivan Reitman is going to be here, and we'll talk about the Can't movie Draft Day, which I saw on Monday of this week. And it's it's really good. Yeah, I went to the NFL screening that they had a couple weeks ago. I missed it. it. I'm seeing it early next week. It is so good. It's so good. It is. It's got a great. Center to well, it. I'm There's glad, a heartbeat I'm to the movie. I'm glad you guys say that because when you know something and you see well, a film, look, I'm gonna, it is tough. Uh, there are there are constructs of the film that you have to knowing what we know about draft day and the process that general managers and war rooms go through. You have to suspend your disbelief a small, slight bit. Sure. Okay, because there are <laughs> trades or trades discussed or that are pulled off in this movie that you would think would never be able to go uh, without having already watched the film thoroughly on the player that they're going to acquire. Just put it that way. Okay. When you see that. That's fair. Right? Yeah, that's fair. But everything, even with that, totally believable scenarios. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. get, get past that and it's just... Totally believable it's really scenarios. Fun. It's really fun. And seeing Kevin Costner in a sports movie. He's coming on next week. Yeah, he'll be in uh, studio next, next week. Yep. And, I mean, him back in a sports movie about the NFL, man. And Dennis Leary's the coach. Jennifer yep. Garner's the capologist. But uh, Ellen Burstyn plays, you know, um, uh, Kevin Costner's mother. Yep. Sam Elliott plays the coach the of the University coach. of Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, Frank Langella plays the owner of the Browns. I'm in a scene with Frank Langella. Skeletor. Dude. Come on, Law. Masters really? of the Universe. Childhood. So this is what we're going to have on the show. Um, the NFL news to discuss the Clowney Pro Day. Again, I don't I don't know. Um, he looked good. He looked good. What to make of Pro Days anymore. Well, the, here, Browns, the Browns didn't even send representatives to, to the uh, Clowney or Manziel Pro Days, but they're going to have Manziel in for a private workout and Clowney – for a private workout right. as well. It's not like they're ignoring the guys. They already worked out Blake Bortles this it, week. But it's just like, we have we reached the point where working out at the Combine and your pro day is unnecessary? Have we reached that point? 
Well, it's just funny to me that people think it matters more than the, the tape. 20, 30, 40 games of college that you have on tape. Here's the deal. If, if Jamarcus Russell had a pro day tomorrow, he might be number one on everyone's board. I mean, it, it it's unreal. That well, if you go back that if you go back that far, probably May- had a great pro yeah, day. Yeah, Mayak once said it was the greatest pro day a, he's ever a seen. Phenomenal pro day. He also his bowl game against Notre Dame also elevated his stock tremendously that year. You but- just don't know the, the only. If I'm an owner in the NFL, I want to know is this kid what's this kid going to be like when the chips are down and adversity hits because that's 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 what happens. Well, it's funny, and you mentioned that in draft day, Costner goes around and he asks all these questions, and those are the kind of stories that well, you, you find out. You want to know yeah. that about, and the only way you could do that is to see the tape or have the kid in in front of you and look him in the eye and kick the tires in that regard. Yep. And so I just don't know if the Browns are like, okay, we've seen him at the combine, we don't need to see him at his pro day. Um, you know, and then the, and then you hear Zimmer, Coach Zimmer, Mike Zimmer of of the Vikings, saying calling Manziel's pro day a sideshow, smokescreen, a little too Hollywood. No way, it's a smokescreen. I think that's just he, he he's just an old school, hard nosed guy. Yeah, somebody wrote that column, and I guess it's an interesting theory if you're really buying into the conspiracy. It is tough to like kind of what? dog a guy publicly and then bring him in and be like, no, you're our guy all along. I was well, just he's just not that. dogging him. He's not. just saying that. Well, he's trying to cool the scent for other people so maybe Manziel slips to number eight. There's no way he slips to number eight. There's no chance he slips the number eight. He's There's not, no way he he's slips not the going number past three, Rich. There's no way he slips that far. He's not slipping past Could three. Could he join our other guest on today's show up in uh, Oakland, potentially? That's right. Maurice Jones-Drew is on this program. He's calling in in a matter of moments, is he not? He's calling in very shortly. M J freaking D. Mm. Johnny F F in. I Oakland? think so, but he's got Schaub already up there, and M J D said that he's a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. We'll find out about that. That's what Maurice said on uh, on Wednesday. Well, McGloin would beat them all out, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, your Penn State uh, guy, huh? Yes. Sandusky's wife has to stop oh, talking. Geez, come by on, the way. come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm potting down my mic for the, the, this now. If we're going to go down that route. She's got to stop talking. Rich. Somebody's got to get to her and tell her. I haven't read talking. a single article on it. I've got to catch you. The bigger right. issue is this, Rich. Have you recovered from Michigan's devastating loss in the U.S.? Oh, gosh. Um, it's just the second straight year that we played a monumental what a game. basketball game that the whole country was tuned into and enjoying haymakers being thrown left and right. And Fantastic. We got, we got beat by an incredible shot. I just want Trey Burke Kate and made a great uh, shot. Hardaway Jr. could have done. Yeah, well, McGarry, who's sitting there in his in his in his now uh, uniform, yeah. or at least he was last week without playing. But at any rate, I I I I wish they would still be playing, but it was great, and I'm still able to troll Albert Breer. Well, to a on bigger Twitter. bigger point, Rich, Michigan basketball is back. Which, yes, it's back. Oh, there's no question. There's no question. Excited about that. Um, and what else? Deshaun Jackson's a Redskin. Deshaun, yeah. How about oh. that? And all that stuff about gang ties and and what you know. Well, Richard Sherman what was had believed. a lot to say about that. This I know week. he did. I I kind of and look. Not, I don't think any of us truly know, but it, it, the Eagles by not saying anything when those reports kind of surfaced from NJ dot com, um, it made them look good to their fan base for saying an understanding of why you would let this guy go. But if you really didn't have that, those kind of facts or anything to back it up. I, you know, look, I'm an Eagles fan. You guys know I think it's the wrong way to treat a player or the wrong way to do it. Now, if there's some validity to it that we don't know yet, you would think the Redskins would have vetted that. But um, it's, I don't know, it's a little 
JV of me. If it's just a money issue and you don't want to pay the guy for the contract you signed him to and you're releasing him, and then to let the allegations of gang affiliations to a guy that look, I I watched that documentary he was in. He he, he had he people were saying, well, if the Chiefs aren't going to take him and Andy Reid drafted him, then you know that he's trouble and he has problems. Well, when Andy Reid drafted him, he got on the phone and said started talking to him about his father and saying, I don't want your father or any of the distractions. So that relationship was severed from day one. So it's not like he's going to go to Kansas City and sign with Reed and it'll all be good. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, I side on the uh, the player in, the, in this instance, in, unless there's something there. Well, certainly the Redskins have the resources to find out if there's anything there. And uh, they went ahead and they, they signed him to a $24 million contract over three years and sticking him out there beyond the numbers with the, with the numbers that he's put up, the most, what, touchdowns of 30 or more yards uh, of anyone in the league since he's come in the league. Coming off a career year, well, Redskins, catches 10 yards. Did you work on total access yesterday? Uh, on Monday. They did a mind-blowing stat, I think. Uh, the Redskins under Snyder, I think, have signed 29 like high, high-priced high free agents. One has made the Pro Bowl, and that was uh, Hall, D'Angelo Hall in 2011. Well, I don't know if D- D- Deshaun's going to make the, the Pro Bowl, but um, he, two you know, he does have yards. two games against Philadelphia, which means um, yeah, he's going to have some motivation in that regard. You know, do you kind of see this as a as a big moment for Robert Griffin next year with all these weapons? Well, all I know is that them? thankfully he's healthy for this part of the uh, of the of this the season because that was the plan. That was the best sh- part of free agent frenzy when you went on that. <laughs> that was the plan was to make sure that he's healthy right now. That's why they sat him for the last three games last year. It wasn't any other reason, right? I mean, that's what I I believe. What I hear from podiums in the NFL it was like you got to keep him healthy for this part and right now. He is healthy to go work out on his own with Deshaun Jackson, and that is going to help the Redskins because he's healthy right now. And Jay Gruden. Yeah, he's healthy. So that's all I know right now is he's healthy, and Deshaun Jackson's there with Pierre Garçon. That's pretty damn good uh, units to have at your disposal. Jordan Reed coming back off a big year. And uh, the butler in the backfield. They're set. I mean, Gruden's got some toys to play with. So And the Redskin-Eagles games – our must-see television. Um, so that's interesting in that regard. Um, so those are those are sort of, those are the things going on in the National Football League. And uh, we're, we're just we're let's be honest, we're just counting the days to the draft. We're just trying to get there, I, and it's I, later this year. I, I mean, can't we wait. would be three weeks away normally. Yeah. Instead, we're five. That's the way we're rolling. I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, For the end of this show. Yeah, the housekeeping part of this program. Indeed. We're going to close the show with opens. Yes. The opens, uh, the the old open is still at the top of this show. And will be next week as well. Because we have yet to hear what you have chosen as the 10 best? I've narrowed it down to 10. I might slide an 11th in, and then you guys will then narrow it down to 5 based off and what you And have folks hear, vote on it. And we'll vote on richeisen.nfl.com. Okay. And that new open will be the new open for... Ever. Until <laughs> <laughs> you make another one. Until till I make it. Till the start of the no, till the start no. of the playing season. All right, so there's lots to get to. We've got Adam Carolla in studio. We've got Ivan Reitman, the director of Draft Day in studio. But let's go to an old friend on the phone. Uh, Pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast, a longtime friend of the program, but appearing for the very first time as a freshly minted Oakland Raider, Maurice Jones-Drew. How are you, MJD? I'm doing doing great. I'm doing great. Just uh, heading to work out now. 
Gail, with, are you going to work out with the uh, Super Bowl-ready quarterback, Matt Schaub? You going to ready uh, to work out with him, MJD? Matt, Matt Schaub isn't in town just yet. When he gets back, though, you know, we definitely will hit it hard and, and get ready. You know you raised an eyebrow or two by saying he was su- a Super Bowl. You know Bowl what cracks me up, though, Rich? And, and, I, and I want to be completely honest in this situation. Mm-hmm. Matt Schaub, before last year, around this time, everyone said that he was a Super Bowl quarterback. Was he not? That was many people did have the Houston Texans as I'm just say, I'm just saying and so I just feel like you know he had a he had a down year which everyone does everyone has a down year here too mm-hmm. and uh, he had a down year but I you know after talking with the staff and talking with people about him I know he's going to bounce back and you know I don't know when or what's going on I just know that he has the ability to lead us there. Now, when you went through the process with Reggie McKenzie and uh, with the rest of the brass in Oakland as you were making your, your visits, making your rounds, did they tell you Schaub was the starter? Did they tell you he was going to compete? What did they tell you about his uh, you know, they status? Really didn't, we didn't really talk about that. Um, what was stated to me was that you know we brought Schaub in. Uh, we know he's a capable quarterback, but he's going to – I'm assuming he's going to compete with uh, the the young kid from Penn State. McGloin. Yeah, McGloin. And then uh, same with me. I'm going to come in. Everybody's coming in to compete. And uh, he brought in guys uh, like myself, Justin Tuck, Lamar Woodley, Antonio Smith, Carlos Rogers, Terrell Brown, uh, obviously Donald Penn, Austin Howard, guys that come in and compete. compete. And, and, and with the, the culture they're, they're bringing in is a competing culture with, with veterans and young guys and we're we going to see how it turns out, but I'm very excited about it. Though. Now, I, I don't know if you were doing that to mess with me because, you know, I'm a Michigan man. You left out a future Hall of Famer, perhaps the best two-way player in the history of Michigan football. He, he was Wilson. already there. He was, I mean, he was there and just re-signed. I, I, I oh, okay. I'm more free agent. You know, I, I try not to uh... – what, that, that that further lets me know that you're a Raiders fan, though, now. So now you can come. <laughs> I'm going to get you season tickets in the black hole. Okay. And you could be the new Al Davis. Because because I'm a Jewish guy from Brooklyn? Is that what it is? I, in that I way? I guess so. <laughs> I'm assuming. I, I don't know Al Davis' uh, background. No, he was. You guys are born guys in Brooklyn. Right around there. Born in Brooklyn, and I have a just win baby mentality as well. I have this. I'm. I'm I like to be here. I'm committed to – well, you know I'm committed to excellence. You know that. I know you are. I, mean, I know. You, you know that to begin with. So I, I'm excited – but I'm excited for you because this is your this is your hometown. I mean, you're born – speaking of being born in a place, you were born in Oakland. Yeah, right? born in Oakland. Where, so did yeah. you grow up a Raiders fan, Maurice? Grew up a diehard Raiders fan. How awesome is this? Uh, my, my senior year, Rich Gannon, it took the Raiders to the Super Bowl in San Diego. I mean – it was uh, it was it was some good times. Obviously, you know, things haven't been going that way, but I feel like the organization is going in the right direction with some of the moves that have been made and the, and the players they have there now. And uh, like I said, we just you know we're talking with some of the guys. Guys just can't wait to get back and play and compete. And that's all you really want at the end of the day. You know, we were going in, we're going into a tough AFC West division, but uh, I think with some of these moves we made, we. You know, on paper it looks the right way, but we could we could fix that by working hard and getting the camaraderie and the chemistry together, and, and turn this thing around. I didn't even say we have James Jones, another Bay Area guy. That's, that's correct. He's I mean, he's good. He's a good player, man. You're right. I'm just, I'm, I, but it's so funny that I I say that 
it's, it's crazy how people can jump on and off the bandwagon in, in, in one year. You know, uh, I remember before the Super Bowl, there's no way the Seahawks are going to beat Peyton Manning and the Broncos. Russell Wilson, it's, it's too big for them. And, you know, now it's Russell Wilson's the best quarterback ever. Yeah, well, you know yeah. us in the paparazzi. We're knee-jerk. Yeah, you know how it is. And so, I, I mean, I, I definitely, after seeing Matt Schaub uh, for eight years, the way he competes, the way he plays, the way he, you know, when he had so much pressure on from Houston to win that first playoff game and performed at such a high level that year when they beat Cincinnati at home. I mean, that was, you know, that's the guy that I know. And obviously, you know, we all, like I said, most of us last year didn't have the best year, but I know he's ready to bounce back and make plays. And, and I'm just excited to work with him. Well, it's funny, as you mentioned also with the NFL, how things change so quickly. The last time I saw you was after you had a stellar performance on Thursday Night Football beating Houston, which turned to Matt Schaub in that game. And now here you are just a few months later, teammates in Oakland. And when you came on to our set after that game, we asked you about your future in Jacksonville, and you seemed pretty positive about it. You seemed very optimistic uh, and heard similar or expressed that you had heard uh, similarly from Brass in Jacksonville. I guess, for the lack of a better question, what did happen eventually? Really, I do not know. Um, I just think they wanted to go in a different direction. Uh, Obviously, there's no ties to me there. No one drafted me. Um, and so, yeah, I understand the business. I understand that I didn't have my best year. They probably thought I was done playing ball like most teams did in the NFL. And, you know, they wanted to kind of go in a different direction, which to me is perfectly fine. I get an opportunity here with the Oakland Raiders. They can give me a chance to compete. And that's all I asked at the end of the day. And they were, they were the only team that was going to give me a chance to do that. So, uh, with that being said, I appreciate you know everything that, that I've had and done with the Jaguars and, and the organization, but now playing with the Raiders organization, you know it's it's new and the, you know it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to show how much I have left. Is most of your family here on the left coast still? Everybody. No that, that was the other thing. I mean, I was three thousand miles away from my grandmother. I get to you know even though only in for two weeks a year I get to eat that gumbo that she'll make. <laughs> uh, just because I'm on a strict regimen right now, I have a chef, so oh, I make really? sure I do all the proper things so I can play at a high level. Uh, but I will get that home cooking. Thanksgiving, I'll get it one one good time. You know, Christmas, we'll get it. Yeah, I might be able to send you a plate or something. Some, please. some hog mog, some collard greens, oh, black yeah. eyed peas. Uh, th- you know? Please, absolutely. I'm all over that. I'm a soul food guy. I am. Are you? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, you didn't, you didn't well, know that about me, did you? I didn't with, look the things you find out on the Rich Eyes podcast. <laughs> phenomenal. How many children do you have? You've got three, right? Or I have three, three crazies. But they're three all ridiculous, like me, ridiculously young. Correct? Oh How, yeah, yeah, yeah. What Five, are they? Oh. Well, my oldest one turns six here in a couple months. My daughter just turned four, mm. and my youngest son turns three in, in about. I want to say sixteen oh, days. My so, Lord, I'm oh, going damn, babies. I'm going crazy, MJD. I've got a. I've got a. One, my my oldest is turning six in three months or five months. Pardon me, five months. Uh, I've got one that just turned three and seven months old. And I'm just. I, I, I do you. How do you sleep at night? How do you? How do you get uh, your rest? Well, similar to the NFL, I have a contract uh, mm-hmm. with my wife, and so the contract states. During training and yes. football hours, I get to sleep. 
Okay. And then other hours, you know, I'll, I'll tend to deal with it. But it's it's tough at that stage. I'm not gonna lie. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough. You have to be. You have to have a strong. You have to be strong minded. You have to stand your ground because mm-hmm. sometimes it. You know, my wife was like, "Can you get him to tell?" I was like, "Ah, the contract states." Mm-hmm. In paragraph five, uh, fine print six, it says. And and I know for not to wake him up. <laughs> The fine print. The kids don't usually read the fine print. To be very honest, no, with you. you know no, that's they the, don't. That's the issue when it comes down but, to it. But you know what? Even though it's hard now, once they get potty trained and they're able to talk, that's mm-hmm. when I, I have a ball with them because now I know what they want and I don't have to you know clean up after them anymore. <laughs> that's the best. The best. And they can watch Daddy run uh, the football um, on Thursdays and Saturdays and Sundays. It's pretty cool that you're able to share that with your kids and, as well. MJD, and now you've got your family out here. It's 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 all set up for you to have a a, uh, a Maurice Jones Drew good time in, in the in the black hole. And I know uh, there you you like giving. You're a giver, and you like giving to the listeners of this podcast. You like giving to to me what we all want, which is a special shout out once you hit the end zone. And oh, yeah. this podcast has a large international following. You, as a member of the Oakland Raiders, are playing in Wembley Stadium later on this fall. That's going to happen, Maurice. That shall happen. I want to come up with a special touchdown celebration for for the international listeners and for the Brits in the UK. Just throwing that out that. at you right now. What Please, should... I will get I will get together with my people. Okay. And since I'm back home now, it's more face to face. No phone calls, no okay. emails. Better communication. And we'll get some. Uh, we'll get something going on. You know, no. obviously, I, I got to get back to that celebrating because that that was what made football that much better. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, you know, Gronk once did the uh, did did the guards at Buckingham Palace, or he but I think he, and he, that was awesome. He did, rec- but he did call them the that those Nutcracker guys, um, which is you know not. <laughs> That they're you know the Queen's Guard are usually don't crack nuts, so right. we've got to make sure that you you've got it down right. So when you do the dance and you're asked by the the the, the British tabloids and the paparazzi, the paps follow you around out there that you're you're taken care of. So that's how I, I will I, I want to work with you on this if that's okay. But we can let's, let's definitely do that. I, I'm. Uh... You know, that's why I'm working out today, so I can find that end zone uh, <laughs> as many times as possible for the Raiders, and that's good. And do as much as I can for you, and thank you, and and obviously your fans. I appreciate you know, it's that. It's not about me; it's about you. Well, there is an I in uh, Maurice, but there's not one in Jones Drew. So you are no, a I'm team kidding. player when it comes I down try to, to it. Be. You're the man. I like how you did that too. Do that you like that? Nice. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Maurice, I'm so happy for you because I know what it means for you to go home, uh, be around your family, and uh, play football for the Raiders and be part of something that hopefully for the franchise is going to be a renaissance and turn around. And so I wish you best of luck in that, as always. I appreciate it. And we got to get you out to one of these games. I know I know NFL Network was nothing without you. you oh, know, is that you well? You started it, at the bottom. You started <laughs> at the bottom, and now they're here. And. Well, it truly was nothing without me, Maurice, because it didn't. Ex- I was there the first day. You know what I mean? I've been here every. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. And now you've taken them to the next level, and we, you know, we need to let them 
let you have a Sunday off or something. Okay. You can come be a special guest of the game. Or maybe you we don't got... have to wear a suit and tie. You can wear like some Raiders gear. Hey, we've been to the black hole on Thursday night football. You know, we've done that. We've been there. They stick us I in the corner. Working. I don't want you to work. I want you to enjoy. Oh, you, you want, here's what I'll do is I'll ask for the week off and drive up from L.A. with the violator, which he does. He drives up to each one of those games from Los Angeles. Uh, and I'll, I'll face paint, I'll put on the Mad Max stuff, and I'll do it. And that would be that, awesome. Just for you. That would be amazing. Are you wearing 32? Uh, I don't know yet. I haven't even uh, got a chance to sit down and talk about that yet. Okay. I'll definitely call or text you and let you know, though, what number I do get. I, you still have the same phone, right? I mean, because you change phones. Uh, like, like underwear. I, yes, sir. But is it, is I, it, I have a problem with losing phones. It's, do you really? Yeah, I have a, it's, it's a pride to lose them. Oh, man. It's crazy. One day they're there, the next day I don't know where it went. <laughs> so uh, I'm assuming my kids get it and they throw it in the toilet, but you know, I don't know. Got to put that in the fine print, Maurice. Put that in the next contract. The it, it, well, the next one I think will be more uh, <laughs> for her and less for me. <laughs> I'm taking more on this front end. On the front end, the uh, almost up, so we'll see how that goes. All right, Maurice. You take care of yourself. We'll speak down the line, okay? All right, Reds. I appreciate it. You bet. That's Maurice Jones-Drew of the Oakland Raiders joining the podcast. I mean, this one way to build a team in Oakland is to make your smart signings and free agency for guys who are going to be there long-term. And also, if you want to go the free agent route, get some guys who have chips on their shoulders who want to prove that they still have a lot of football left in them. And three off the top of my head are MJD, Woodley, and Tuck. I forgot they got Tuck, too. Okay. And James Jones. Well, James Jones is not like one of those guys like, I'm going to prove I still have football left in me. Yeah, he's young. He's got... Some billion. He's from California, and so he's going home like MJD in that regard. I mean, Wood, Woodson is on his fourth year of I still have football left in me. But you put all those together. I just don't know if Schaub is, you know, if you go ahead with third overall and take a quarterback, you're starting him. You're starting him. I don't know if your your boy McGloin may be third on the depth chart. When I don't it's think all said he knew his. I don't think he knew his first name either. Yeah, <laughs> no. Did he? Could, could. Well, he may not need to because uh, again, uh, if 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 Manziel is somehow sitting there at three, which is five. possible. Raiders are five. Raiders are five. five. Yeah, Raiders me. are at five. Okay. Jags at three. Right. Jags at three. If we, they're going to take somebody at five, they're gonna. One and of the, like One of those three guys is going to be there. At five. Unless somebody trades up with the Rams if Clowney goes first. Right. When Clowney I, goes first. The Rams will – I think the Rams should use the pick because, you know, there's there's the tackles out there they could use. There's Jake Watkins Matthews, that could be sitting Watkins. there too. You know, I mean, they, there are some players that they could plug in and use this fall. Well, if you're worried about the health of Sam Bradford, certainly taking Jake Matthews would make sense at number two. MJD kept saying uh, when he talked with McKenzie, it was all about compete, compete. We're bringing in guys who want to compete. He He's going to be competing with Darren McFadden for some playing time if McFadden stays. Well, he's still on that roster. I mean, I, I, I mean MJD's a, a proven Mc, back in McFadden the league. McFadden is, is, is the Michael Vick of running backs. Yeah, that's he can't stay healthy. So Marcel just Reese, sit, though, there, at sit at there at your spot on the depth chart. You're going to get your shot is what you've seen out of Darren McFadden, who's very dynamic. And you want to talk about a change of pace back from Darren McFadden. I mean, Morris Jones-Drew is the mother of all 
uh, change of pace guys, if you want to think about it. He's, I don't even think of him as a change of pace guy. He's the either. guy. He's a bell cow. He's 29. He's got something to prove. I mean, that's some, that's got some, that's, that team has done some interesting things over the past few weeks. Well, as it's always been for them, since they've went to the Super Bowl with Rich Gannon, who's going to throw the ball? Who's going to lead that team? And those questions are still there. We'll see if Schaub can answer them. I don't know, man. But he makes a good point. This point last year, everyone was like, Schaub could take him to the Super Bowl. But then we saw what Schaub did. Clearly, it was more than just Matt. Matt Schaub is not the the sole reason why the Texans lost their last fourteen games. Schaub's got a little, uh, like a little David Duvall. You know, he just lost his swing and and couldn't get it back, and then it becomes a head game. He's still talented. How Schaub got his groove back. <laughs> That's what 2014 Raiders season hopefully is going to be about. Uh, so that's MJD. Good, good on him. Uh, is Corolla walking through the door. The Ace Man, the man. has come. Ah, yes. Thrilled to have on uh, the Rich Eisen podcast once again. A man who clearly has vision. Yeah. A man who clearly understands what the greatest game that we as Americans can export and enjoy. What what this game truly needs. And that is extended goalposts. Mm-hmm. They called him crazy. They called him a dreamer. Well, they they called Galileo crazy. They did do that. But they called Magellan <laughs> crazy. They did. They called Jesus crazy. And I'm not saying I'm above any of those guys. <laughs> I'm I'm saying I'm saying we're even. Okay. You know what I mean? You're I would never put myself. Peers. You're peer. You're in the same peer group. Yeah, I'm not going to put it's a it's a Brady Manning thing, but I'm not calling mm. myself uh, Bradshaw. You know, I'm not saying I have all those rings. Mm. I'm saying I'm I'm in that conversation. You, you are in the conversation. You you can't have a Magellan, Jesus, um, Galileo, Galileo mm. conversation mm. without Corolla without, being woven into it. I, I agree. Otherwise, it's not a valid conversation. Good to see you, Adam Corolla. Good to see you, my friend. I, I agree. It's not otherwise. Not a valid conversation. And it was, what was it, two years ago now? Was it two years ago, Chris Law? What was it, three years ago? Many years for me. 2010, it started being brought up. 2011 was when we went and kicked the Adam pole with Marshall Holding. That is true. There's uh, a history here. There's There's a history history here. Now, there is. And I'd I'd like to talk about the kick, but, you know, with the pending lawsuit and everything. (laughs) Everything's up for grabs at this point. I just can't discuss it on air. Well, we will Uh, discuss that. I'm scared to tie my shoes. Yeah, I know. I'm scared to stretch in the morning. I'm every time my children come up behind me, I wince. I and it's I'm in a, still in a lot of pain. You know, I I leave my mark frequently in what I do. I didn't mean to do it there. A lot of guys but. have lower back pain. I have upper sack, <laughs> and that's because of rich eyes. There you go. But again, because You're of the, the, only the, the pending suit, I just can't. I understand, and we'll talk about that pending suit because I definitely want to talk about that with you. But but first order of business is the the extended goalposts mm-hmm. you you said that they should just go to home depot and just slap some some extra plastic on top they're not going to do that they're going to actually put goalposts five feet up higher no i said thin wall mm-hmm. five inch circumference steel mm-hmm. or wide steel just literally five feet i was saying five feet six feet mm-hmm. you know it wouldn't take 30 feet just five or six feet right and just a scissor lift and a welder and just literally extend it now i'm sure they'll just replace the whole pole yes they are but either way extend it what we didn't get into i don't believe is it all started in 1986 87 with the drive what people don't realize is rich carlos 
for the Denver Broncos, kicked that o- that was overtime win right. for mm-hmm. Denver. People just went, oh, that drive went down and beat the Browns and won the yeah, game. The same way that the the uh, Bill Buckner play won the World Series for the right, Mets. No, right. it was just a game six. There was actually more to come. Right. After well, that the more to come. If Thanks you, for bringing that up. Right? Yeah, if you right. guys want to take a look at that, 1986, Rich Carlos kicked an OT field goal that won it for Denver, but that ball went right over the top of the upright. Now, that was a full... 30 years ago or 28 years ago mm-hmm. and it was driving me nuts it happened on monday night last year it happened on a sunday night game it, it happened all it was driving me insane that it was so insanely obvious and the other part that drove me insane is every time i would bring it up someone would pause and go what if they used lasers and then put a beacon in the ball and i was like or they could extend the ball. <laughs> and then exactly. they, would, they would pause and go, what if they capped it and put one over the top and then put a center one down them? And I went, or they could extend the pole. I couldn't figure it out. Finally, my dreams have been answered. Yes, your dreams have been answered. And, and interestingly enough, you know, uh, you're lockstep with Bill Belichick because he had the same issues, clearly. Well, if and- you see the Ravens game... Where I don't know game number two of the season or whatever it is. Well, it was where, it was it was not this past season. It was the year before. Oh, the year before, right? But it, either way, where he's grabbing the guy's arm as they run off yeah. the field. By the way, uh, young folks that are looking to get into coaching, who are thinking about accosting officials as they're running for the tunnel, mm-hmm. it, never in the history of the game has the accosted official turned back around run up to the 50-yard line, and waved off the field goal. <laughs> it's never happened. So it's not, no. you, uh, all you're going to get is fined. And you, there's zero upside with a, yeah. you know, it's right up there with uh, messing with a cop's horse. It's just, <laughs> there's, it's never worked. There's I, no upside with a huge potential downside. Right. And so um, they went to the owners meeting this year. And threw that out there, and I thought of you immediately. You know, I Thank thought you. for as did most of my Twitter feed. When did, when when you first heard that this was actually going to be yes, placed it, in front of the membership of the National Football League? What'd you feel? A sense of pride? What'd you feel? I, I remember my seven-year-old son came in the room and said, "What's wrong, Papa?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Those are tears of joy." And we I, we embraced, mm-hmm. and uh, I cried, I sobbed, and uh, he started sobbing, and uh, <laughs> you'll never forget. I it. just I won't forget that moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, called him son. He called me father, and uh, you know for the first it. time, or for the first time. Wow. Yeah, he'd been calling me Rick before that, which is like <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. I said, look, it's either Adam or Dad. Uh, right. Where's Rick coming where from? Where is he Rick never coming explained from? That, but, he called me father, and I called him son, and then that that was it. That goalposts mm. put it all together. Put it all put it made our family whole again, and uh, yeah, everyone tweeted me a thousand tweets like yeah, thank. and I, I've got to say, you know, I it, the you know my crusades extend well past the NFL playing field. Mm-hmm. I was screaming at the city of Los Angeles for the stupid big electric freeway signs that said "click it or ticket," because. Every time you get in your car, you ever do that move where you don't put your seatbelt on and you're just backing down the driveway mm-hmm. and the car starts going off like a pinball machine because you're not? I said, why do we need big freeway signs explaining to us mm-hmm. what is already going on inside of our cars? <laughs> it does seem to be misplaced. Right. Me- so- meanwhile, I've passed a whole bunch of guys on you know the 405 and the 110, worst traffic in the world, 
the people that get into the little fender benders, but their cars are fine and they're standing in the middle lane outside of the car, drawing a chalk outline around the car. <laughs> and the, the CSI guys are coming, rappelling down from Huey's and you're like, pull your car over right. to the shoulder and then exchange information. It's not a crime scene. Well, as I traveled. Yes. I started passing all these signs in other cities. You'd be driving through Denver, and you'd see a freeway sign, and it would say, if it steers, it clears. Meaning, if you trade a little paint with someone, get off <laughs> the freeway, and then exchange the insurance information. Right. Or, if you're in Los Angeles, try to run down the illegal. That's right. <laughs> get them in a headlock. <laughs> Which my parents had to do once, by the way, on the 405. Right. Really? That, that's, True that's, story. That's what I'm saying. So... Either way, do it from the shoulder. Don't do it from the third lane. Right. And I kept saying, but why click it or tick it? Because everyone already knows that. If, yes. And uh, sure enough, I, I got into uh, Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom's ear, and I got into uh, Eric Garcetti's ear, the mayor. The mayor of and, Los Angeles. And now if you drive, it says, in a, in a case of a minor accident, pull off to the side. There's no more click it or tick it. You are truly a factor. I mean, a, a factor. Is, is office is running for office? This, this is here. I this should. is impressive. I, I really mean, should. You yeah. get things done, man. You I, I get do. things done. You're a visionary, and not only that, though, you act on it. That's right. You're an execution man. You execute. Yeah. No. It's it. It'd be easy just to you know sit with you and the rest of the folks in the front of the bus with the air conditioning blowing <laughs> and, and, and yeah. enjoying our bottled waters sure. and watching our flat panel televisions but i gotta roll up my sleeves get out there and you know hit you're the a man streets. Of the, well we knew you were a man of the people yeah to begin with mm -hmm. and so um what 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 next then i mean what next for you well after the i mean because the goal it's yeah. over the goal posts it's it's done they yeah. passed it Mm -hmm. They went ahead. It's going to go down. We're going to see new goalposts in the National Football League to the point where I think that it's part of the reason why they, you can't dunk over the goalpost now because it's now hot. There right. might be some sort of physics involved here. Sure. That if, sure. You, if you put force on the, sure. on the crossbar. Yeah. Well, know. now that Tony Gonzalez is retired, we don't have to worry. Well, as Jimmy much. Graham was the one who damn near pulled was, the thing back. Yeah, Graham's been doing a lot of it. They had it, they too. they busted. They stopped the game for for bringing out a a ladder, and some guy runs out with a ladder and a torpedo and, level. and a straight edge, right? Yeah, you, you got to put a, you got to put a level on it. You had to put a level on it. Yeah, they had yeah. the level on it. Right, they yeah. brought the level with the with the you know the. I'm still rooting for the, the water because last time he was on, he said that, and you brought up the analogy of when you're in the playground and you're you're down 15, you have no chance at winning, and you say, "If I sink this next shot, we're tied." Right. And you just do that, and I, it's such a great. It would never happen in professional sports, but in some mannerism, it like does need to be jock. enacted. Yeah, kind of like Rock and Jock, the 25 point basket. Yeah, no, I I do like that. I think we all, and we would all, as far as the competition committee. It's something that would keep you tuned in because when your team is down or their team or any team is down by 21 points and there's a minute, 28 seconds left in the game, you tend to tune out. Mm -hmm. there's not, it's not winnable. But if they had that center pole that if the guy kicked it and that was 25 points or whatever it is, it would, it would definitely you – know, you know what the rules should be? Mm -hmm. Ah. And maybe uh, I'm just repeating myself, but that center pole we talked about hitting, yeah, right. that should just bring you to a tie. 
whatever, whatever, what, however whatever you're down, is. whatever, wh- whether you're, t- whatever you are, it's going to bring, if you're down less than, if you're down more than three points, it brings you to a tie. So if you're down by 23 and there's no hope. And there's, there's no, no hope. hope. There's still there. Janikowski still the, setting up from 51 to try to tie it and hit that center post. I like it. That would be amazing. You lose your next game, though, if you miss it. <laughs> there's got wow. to no. be something. You gotta, I don't know. You I mean, put some leverage The, the on downside it. is you lose the game that you're in. Well, you're going to lose anyway. You're down 23. Oh, so now, wait a minute. Do you, do you, does the poll come up from... From the bottom of the from the ground, just for that moment, can you, do you have to call for the middle pole? Yes, or the get, middle pole get, is get. always there. Like so, it's like a fork. It's like a trident, and the upright is now like a, an NFL trident. I think you get one call for for the middle pole. It comes out like a dog's unit, mm-hmm. if you know what I'm saying. I do know it's, that. It's yes, she's quite nicely because because it, it is excitement and it's pink. It's excitement. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, and it comes I like right it. out from uh-huh. the right, you know, from the middle riddle, uh-huh. and you can call for it one time. Right. And, uh, there's, one time there's per the season, or ooh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd say one time per season. One time yeah. per season. Where you like, bring it say out. it's like week 16 and you need to make the playoffs, but you're getting blown out at home. Right. And you call for the poll to tie. Call for the poll. To right. call. <laughs> and you, you probably have a special guy, like a, a... A specialist. The backup tight end with the squared off shoe who doesn't do the sidewinder. You right. know, who just goes straight at Mo- it. Like who, Mark Mosley. Your Mosley style. Right. Who's just used to booting that thing straight, straight away. Edge. Straight away, yeah. I like it. That's that's the straight ahead guy. So it's like a 53rd man on the roster. Right. Does he come up from the ground too? Like the he, pole? We use, we keep him... Well, you know my replay gimp. The replay gimp. <laughs> yeah, you keep him back there. You, yeah. you know about the replay gimp, right guys? About, about this, this? Yes, yes, that yeah. that there's somebody who has not seen any part of the game at all. He, he doesn't know what football is. Doesn't even know just and and he's dressed like the gimp, kept in a in a the ch- bowels like a, the, the bowels stadium. of the stadium, cellar in a in mm-hmm. a yeah, and in, we, they, in a trunk, and then you bust out the replay gimp who who is with the he goes under official the hood. reviewer. Well, he has a wrangler like the Buffalo at Colorado when they <laughs> runs out on the field, but they're flogging him the right. whole time, you know, but they're running him out there. <laughs> right. And he just puts, he goes under the thing and, you know, was his foot in, was his foot out? Right. The ball, it's either thumbs up or thumbs down. He doesn't, he doesn't even know what he's looking at. And then it's back to the, back to the bowels of back the stadium. Back to the bowels of the stadium. Right. So, and that's where the specialist should be kept next to the gimp's I do. Trunk. And, and the reason for the gimp and, and and by the way, we're not cruel. There are holes in the trunk. Obviously, we, we <laughs> this can is get humane. Fresh air. This is yeah, humane, and we You're feed right. them through this the for the hole. If you uh-huh. cut up a banana right, you can get it through the hole. Mm-hmm. The point is this: the replay gimp. What, what drives me insane is not enough evidence to overturn the erroneous call that was previously made. Right. The ruling on the field stands, right? Confirmed. Confirmed means that we've seen enough evidence. If it stands as called, that's their way of basically going, well, that's what we got. Yeah, I mean, we all all have seen a few. There's always a few calls every year where you go, we know it was a bad initial call, but they just didn't have the camera angle to overturn it. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, is I don't want the initial call factored in. I just want to go under the hood with the gimp. You make the call. That's the call. We don't need to know in advance, oh, here's the call. Is there enough to overturn it? That, to me, is not right. – that's not you making a call. That's a call that's already been made, and you going, well, is there quite enough – You know, It's iffy. Right. right. So the gimp would remove that gray area. Absolutely. 
because the gimp, the gimp, as whatever the gimp says stands. He he can't talk. He can <laughs> he can do thumbs so up. He, or oh, oh, thumb, okay, thumbs down. Okay, yeah. And then of course, obviously, there's a zipper over his mouth. Yeah, there's a zipper. Okay, yeah, in the leather mm-hmm. hood he's wearing, but. To me, because one last question yeah. for you: mm-hmm. Is there sponsorship on the on the Gimp? Is you get like a special? The Gimp is brought to you by. Yeah, there's a lot of smokeless tobacco companies have already been in touch with <laughs> that think that he fits their demographic. Okay, perfectly. All right, perfectly. That, I don't, I'm not getting the specifics, but I mean, I'm, I'm in touch you know, with a lot to of make those some, people. Okay. Well, obviously, it's yeah. an opportunity. Yeah. And then because ultimately it's an it's it's about entertainment. If he does the call that goes against the hometown, that's when the Wrangler really just starts belting him with that cat of nine tails <laughs> as they run him back into the trunk. Much to the... the oh, the delight of the crowd. Delight of the crowd. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're smarting over the call, but sure. just seeing the gimp being punished that way. Yes. That, yeah. that allows them... A, it's a release. Mm-hmm. It's a release, you mm-hmm. know? Okay. I and, like this. And there's a thing, too, where you never know who your town's gimp is. If you watch uh, Top Gear out of the U.K., they Mm -hmm. have the Stig. He does all the test driving for all the cars, but they protect his identity. Right. See, it's sort of a Superman thing. You don't know. You can think, oh, is that guy some F1 driver who's doing this? But you don't know who he is. Is the gimp's identity ever revealed? Yeah, it's never revealed. Never. Never revealed. So it's a guessing game. Yeah. Sure, Tom and every Memorial. once in a while, you're just walking through town and you lock eyes with a shorter, stout guy mm-hmm. who's got some lash wounds on him. You <laughs> are, know? There, are there 31 you, gimps? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One Obviously, stadium, yeah, right? we have we have each one as a stadium, and you go, is that the but he, you'll Well, it's never just know. like every stadium has its own replay official. Right. This right. time, so the replay, is there still a replay official? We don't need him. Out. Out. The replay gimp is the one who's brought in. Because right. as you know now, the the home office of the National Football League has contact with the replay official and the re, and the referee. That was also passed, right? With a new rule with your extension of the goalpost upright, right? Right. That so now the gimp, we're, we're gimp is now part of management in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the, that's going to be a tough sell. That's going to well, be a tough sell, you know, Adam. They said that about extending the goalpost. They did. Um, the click it and the click it and ticket. They said the same thing about that too. Yeah, they said it to Rosa Parks when she moved to the front of the bus, but that doesn't mean. And I'm not saying I'm above her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying you're a peer. Well, Just as if another you're person, have a conversation. <laughs> obviously, my name is going to be sure. woven into that. Well, but it, like I said, it, it helps certainly because I've been I've been in that meeting room. At the owners' meeting, I've been in that meeting room at the owners' meeting, and you need to have some serious clout mm-hmm. behind your ideas, and at least with your extension of the goalpost upright concept, to have somebody as influential as Robert Kraft raise his hand and say, "My team will go and be behind that idea." You need that. You need the man who has hired the modern-day Belichick to do that, and he is on the phone right now. To celebrate with you, Adam Crowe. Really? Mr. Kraft, are you there, sir? Hi, how are you, Rich? How I'm... are you, Adam? Good. <laughs> Good to hear from you. Well, we like uh, we always like to speak with influential uh, opinion makers who can change things that are important to the culture of America. <laughs> they want to thank you. Always be sure. You know, first of all, we have a mutual pal in Howard Stern. He always has said how what a great comedian you are. Well, God bless him. I, I was uh, I was over at uh, Jimmy Kimmel's house a uh, couple of days ago, and he told me that Howard, somebody posed the question to Howard, who could take his place? And right. he said, 
well, maybe Adam could, and I was profoundly well, flattered. Well, there you go. So the only thing I got to put a little pin in your tush and say, why <laughs> didn't you start? You should have gone on Howard and start working the room quicker uh, on the goalpost, and then maybe that game we had a with in the Baltimore twelve. Yeah. yeah, with the Ravens. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one where. My favorite coach uh, try to <laughs> chat with a ref <laughs> at the end, but um, you know it was pretty cool. We we actually wanted to get these goalposts to be higher, but uh, the word around our room was that Adam Carolla said it's okay if they're five feet. Well, eighty-five percent of those kicks fall under the five-foot limit, you know. Like the one in Baltimore, I mean, against the Ravens, that was, I don't know, two feet above the... That went way above it. Oh, did it go way above it? Yeah, I mean, that went way... And, and was it more than five feet above I it? I think it looked that... Do you think, Mr. Kraft, if, if the uprights were extended that night, it, it, it would have... It would have been more, uh, certainly it would have been an easier uh, call. I, I'm not sure I should be chatting on this issue. <laughs> and I need all my cash flow. So I'm going to let you guys come. But Adam, okay. you must be very cool because Rich only has the highest grade talent on his podcast. So <laughs> I, ju- I just wanted to call yeah. and say thank you there for you helping to improve uh I, the NFL this, game. This and is it's a, a pleasure to talk to you. This both. is a great moment in my life. And Mr. Kraft, before we hang up, can I tell you a quick story? Sure. That might involve a small pin in your tuchus. I was uh, backstage during the finals of a Celebrity Apprentice, and I was hanging out with uh, Penn Jillette and I think Dee Schneider and uh, George Takai and Polly from uh, uh, Orange County Choppers. Okay. And we're all standing back there. And um, Trump came back and he said, I'm going to bring you in my dear friend, Bob Kraft. And you guys are going to get to meet the Bob Kraft. And he turned around and walked out of the room. And I was looking at the biker guy, the magic guy. Right the Star Wars guy and the gay guy and the rocker, and I realized none of them knew. I knew Robert Kraft. Of course. They didn't know Bob. He did the Bob oh, Kraft. And I dropped. said, I'm the only guy in the room who's excited because I know there's going to be a guy with a uh, two-tone shirt collar <laughs> and cuffs coming in here in a matter of seconds to give me a Patriots pin. And I, it was partially his fault because he called you Bob. He should have called you Robert Kraft. I know okay, you was Robert well, Kraft. We'll, we'll have to... Uh, we'll have to... Um, get him uh, straightened out on fire that. Trump. Uh, Tell him it's always uh, Robert Kraft. Okay, well, um, whatever. As long as it's positive, it whatever is. you want to call me, it's a, it's uh, I call hey, you. By the way, let me ask you because I get, I get. You know, I, I'm, I believe in tradition, roots, and yes, we have a pretty good winning record uh, when I wear that blue shirt with white collar. Yes. And, but I get rags sometimes. People say, geez, the guy's got only owns one shirt. <laughs> but, so what do I do? Can I Do I keep it going and keep tradition, or do I mix it up? I'll tell you what my answer would be to anyone who said that. I would say, yes, it's true. I only own one shirt, but I own three airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my answer. I say Mr. keep Kraft. the shirt. You're a very accurate reporter. Very good. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey, and, listen. Uh, you guys be well. Thank you for calling in, Mr. Kraft. I, and thank All you right. for making Adam's dream come true. Yes. For the, is, oh, well, great. It's, 
He's an L.A. guy. Is he a Pats fan? Of course. Wait till I tell uh, Bill Simmons, the uh, sports guy, that I spoke to you. He'll That's right. He'll be jealous. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your influence. You be well. Take Thank care. You. Thanks, Mr. Bye. Kraft. That is Robert Kraft, the owner <laughs> of the New England Patriots, calling in. Yeah. Well, you know, my honest thing with the, with the, uh, with the Patriots was mm-hmm. I always wanted them to win. Because they're always just a, a fun team to watch, you know, back in the day with Grogan and, mm-hmm. and company. I like their uniforms, their old school uniforms. Oh, with they're Pat the Patriot red. on oh, the helmet. The yeah, they still, the bring that, they still bring when that They still bring When they play the Bills at Orchard Park and the Bills are in their throwbacks, it's the best. Yeah, the Bills, Pats, and the Pats had something going, which was the belt, like the black belt going through the pants, you mm-hmm. know, that you could see sure. through there. And I always loved them. And then they'd never stop. Then a certain part, they... Came, came a time where they never stopped losing or winning. They would never, they just won everything. And then I was like, screw those Pats. And then they lost a couple of games. And I was like, back with the, back with the Pats. Right. Again. I mean, I, and I appreciate you hiding your, your Rams roots a little yes, bit there. Because, I, I, I mean, hide. obviously, you know, the, the, the Brady-Belichick dynasty began by beating the Rams back yeah. in the day. So, I, you know, I appreciate you, you do it. Because he's a very, I mean, that that is... That is, in my mind, the most influential owner in the National Football League. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you could say Mr. Jones. You could go other ones as well. But Robert Kraft is is the man I, uh, I owner in the National Football uh, League. You can I, do the Roonies, obviously. You can throw them all out there. But I tend to think that they're, they're probably the best franchise in the NFL of the last decade, for sure. Well, we're talking about th- this past week that Johnny Manziel – and um, and also uh, Bortles has been brought in for a Bridgewater. They're going to bring in both quarterbacks to take mm-hmm. a look at for their pro day for for private workouts. And everyone's wondering why in the world would they do that? And my thought on that is because they want to kick the tires on these guys because they may have to play them. So you'll see them up close and personal if you have the chance. And oh, if you have an o- if you and if you have an owner who's like, okay, I know I'm paying Tom Brady a, a billion dollars. And I know, you know, this process costs money. You got to send tickets. You got to put them up. I mean, it's money that some right. owners might go. Oh, I don't know why are you bringing them in if we're paying Brady all this money. Bob Kraft is or Robert Kraft. That's right. RKK, Mister Kraft. Right. Bring him in. I mean, he's just like he's he's throwing his weight behind him. You know. Well, in that also, what's Brady going into his thirteenth season or something? Well, Brady's going to be Brady is, uh, I believe, thirty six. Uh-huh. And but you're not going to draft to get Manziel or Bridgewater. You'd have to give up the farm to get up from from where they are, which I believe is drafting thirtieth. Right. To go all the way up to go get them. Right. You'd have to give up the absolute farm to get them. Mm-hmm. So if you're draft, you're not going to sit him behind Tom Brady for four or five years. It makes no sense to bring these guys in unless you want to kick the tires on them. I have not to know what they're going to be like. I got to be honest, uh, Rich. Yes, sir. Richard. Yes. Uh, I've been you know kind of. Not you know, following the game very closely, I'm mostly focused on this click it or ticket thing and yes. the upright, but not the actual players Understood. and stuff like that. So um, if I'm uh, the Patriots, you yes. know, I say trade Aaron Hernandez, go up a couple of notches yeah, yeah. in the draft, sure. get a shot at Manziel. I, I mean, hate to I'm, tell you, his mm-hmm. his his value has taken a little bit of a hit. 
Aaron well, Fernandez. he's still a pro bowler as far as I know. I, I mean, obviously he's got some value. I'm saying trade up. I'm glad you. I'm glad you they, waited to to posit that theory uh, yeah, after Mr. Kraft I mean, hung up the Kronkowski's telephone. Kronkowski's been injury injury free for the last few years. You got a you got a pro bowler tight end in Kronk already. No, no I hear you. you. Again, I've not been following the rosters closely. Yeah, you've understood. And I, you know, I do drink some, you know, on Sundays. So I'm not. It's not always clear a little blackout. What's going There's on. a little blackout on your. Well, that's the blackout Sunday blackout brown stuff out, you're Rich, to. Brown out. Okay. That's a, I'm at home. I'm not driving. I'm a skip loader. I'm just at home, <laughs> wondering if I have twins or triplets. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I see three people. I, I know. know there are only two. I hug the one in the middle. Maybe that's why he calls you Rick. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Could be it that. Could be something. Could yeah. be that. I don't want to, you know, get too deep in this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's what yeah. it's it's your business. No, no, and I keep it my business. You mm-hmm. know? It's very private. But yeah, I thought that would be cool to have. Yeah, tell Simmons that. <laughs> have Simmons try and get him on his podcast. Ace man, what's it? Bob Kraft said what? <laughs> <laughs> tell them all. So what is going on with this lawsuit? I know oh, you want to talk about this. Man. Do you want to talk about this? Yeah. You can talk about it if you don't want to talk about it. You don't no, have to talk um, about um, it. Um, um, because like it to threatens this it. entire medium. Correct. It it does. It threatens uh, me and you and everyone else uh, who's doing a potaroo. Mm-hmm. Um, we were sued my podcast by patent trolls, and they. The, the, the thumbnail sketch of patent trolls are they they they're a conglomeration of lawyers and bankers and sort of rich whitey at his worst people who have money to spend on this sort of thing. guys who wear shirts with different color cups no uh, no and, wait uh, okay. hold on a minute yeah now you know what I'm saying yeah they buy up patents that that are either not being used or have no real application or anything mm-hmm. and then they figure out ways to apply them to existing businesses and then they call up you know google and they go hey man you're using our technology and they go what and they go we're now we're suing you and or you know give us 10 million bucks and we'll we'll leave you alone and i sort of heard about it and understood it but they're going after google and itunes and you know big you know big conglomerations that have lawyers and billions of dollars and stuff like that well mm-hmm. they decided to come after us why um, <clears throat> i think they sat around and if you really think about it how long was the the man going to s- sit on the sidelines that's a football metaphor it is. and watch what's going on on the internet with patents and your voice and consumers and sponsors and things like that and not wet their beak, like not get in on it. I mean, there's traditionally a group of guys who don't do anything. They just get in between people that are doing something and go, where's our cut? So essentially these patent trolls that you're referring to uh, said they came up with the, the technology for a podcast. Is that what they're saying? And and, and therefore you're using their, They're saying you're Construct? using a part of our technology for your podcasting. And in this case, it's a sequencer. It's it's a playlist. Mm-hmm. So, Cataloging, right? Yeah, it's your your podcast on a Monday is on a Monday, and Tuesday is underneath it, and Wednesday is underneath that. And if you go online, you see Rich, uh, the Rich Eisen podcast, and you see one to 500, and they're mm-hmm. all down the line. Yes. And they're saying that's our technology. And, you know, obviously... If that's up for grabs, everything on the internet's up for grabs. Sure. I mean, everything that has a series, everything on YouTube, you know, everything. So we now, <clears throat> usually what they want you to do is just pay them off and they'll go away. 
because the threat of litigation is so expensive and so time consuming mm-hmm. that you just go, take money, go, please leave us alone. Um, we realize that if we do that, then they're just going to go on iTunes, find the top couple hundred podcasts and just start going down, down the line. line. Yeah. Why? Mark Maron's next, Nerdist, they're all, they're all why, sitting there. Why wouldn't you? Because that's what you do for a living. You buy patents, you make money. And if I paid you, why not get Rich Eisen to pay you? So what we're doing is we're fighting it. The problem with that is it costs a million to one to $1.5 million worth of lawyering. To litigate it. To litigate and it. And defend yourself against these folks that have just slapped... Frivolous so, lawsuit. So what happens? Like your agent or you received this in the mail one day all of a sudden and you're like, uh-huh. what in the hell is this? Is that yeah. basically what it was? Yeah. It was, I mean, it's you, NBC, and ABC? Is that what it is? Uh, I, I they're going after a few entities, but they've, they've pushed me into that mix and they filed. And the court date's in you know, October and it's in Texas. <laughs> And, and well, I read that it's in Texas in a very friendly court for their end of the argument from mm-hmm. basically from what I read is that 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 uh, patent arguments in that district are yes. what six out of 10 or seven out of 10 go in the favor of whoever's suing you, whereas in others, it's not nearly as favorable, correct? Right. So they hung again. You know, people say, oh, aren't you pissed off? It's like, eh, no, it's business for them. Right. So it's nothing personal. It's it, they hang their shingle up in a town in eastern Texas. That's good for them. Mm-hmm. Again, it's business. Right. They don't come to Los Angeles and do it where my business is. And then they sue and they're not going to win. E- everybody with any kind of legal background whatsoever, who's taken a look at the actual case has said, oh, there's, there's no way. Mm-hmm. But it, it's going to cost $1.3 million to find out that we won. Right. Which, to get to that point of the no way. To get to that no way point. And so what we're saying is, is look, all podcasting and, and all the communities and you know your fans might not listen to me or Mark Marin or the nerd, whatever it is, Whoever it is, mobilize your fan base. Go to fundanything.com. We're doing a crowdsourcing thing. Give to the Legal Defense Fund. Sure. We're n- none of that money's going going to me. You know, a little bit up my nose, but that's just... That's, I'm putting in some long hours here. Of course, here. yeah. And we're going to fight these guys, and we're going we're gonna to beat them mm-hmm. with, with this war chest that we're going to build sure. through reaching out to the podcast community. Fundanything.com. Yeah, or you can go to amcroll.com and it's, it's Okay, and it's in there well. too. Yeah. And so... So far, we're I think we're about $300,000 okay. we've raised. Yeah, it's interesting because this, this podcast is done through NFL media. Mm-hmm. You're doing it through your own entity. Through right. your own, is that why they... That and, and your, your, uh, your number one... That's why you were number one on the on the hit list. Do you think is because you're number one on the iTunes and you're I, setting I, records, I, I, et cetera, I, et cetera. I imagine, and I, I this is all speculation, but sure. I imagine they just went to iTunes and they went who's near or at the top of the list, yeah. and they went let's go after them first, and then we'll work our way down down the line. And that's what I imagine. I I don't know. It, they they don't you know they'll sue Google and they'll sue me. And so to me that means everyone falls somewhere in between right. Google and me. Right. And uh, anyone. So that means NFL Network. It just means everything. NBC. Whatever is going to fall somewhere in between. 
Google and me. Right. So everything's up for grabs. Interesting. Well, fundanything.com. You've got to go to it because this sounds um, horrifying, quite, it, it's quite very, frankly. It's sort, of, it's sort of the opposite of American. You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's very American to go out and start your own business and have your employees and build your stuff up and build yourself a small business. And then this is the man, you know, coming in and, and doing it in a way that's very, you know, cybery and 21st century and, you know, Buck Rogersy. But this is a this is essentially something that is going to be illegal in five years. Right. But to me, it's like them finding the cure to your particular cancer three years after you've been in the ground. Right. You know, like that. that's nice, but mm-hmm. I got to try to beat it now. And if people have questions, they can go to, uh, they can send an email to legaldefense at adamcarolla.com. All right. Too. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that before they come here. They have no idea they're messing with the man who, who came up with the replay gimp. And uh, and got the goalpost raised. Clicking her ticket Clicking gone. Her ticket. And, yeah, seriously, they, they have no idea. They're messing down. with the wrong snake. Yeah, wrong. Just kicking the wrong rock right there. Yeah, no, that's that's. Uh, I I I have sort of said that it's going to be bad PR for them because they go after people that don't have a voice, mm-hmm. so to speak. And and we have a platform. We have a pulpit. And. They go after big companies, but the big companies just have a floor of lawyers that they have to deal with, but right. they, they don't have a microphone. And they're going to drum up. And I've done plenty of interviews about this. And, sure. of course, I'm you know making the, making the rounds. But this should turn into a story of who these guys are because I, I don't – you know, this was a calculated mistake, I believe, on their part because their deal is fly under the radar – make a bunch of money but now they're shining a light on who they are because i'm out going everywhere talking about it people writing articles about it capitol hill and obama's talking about it and now they should have kind of stayed in the shadows and hammered those checks rather than going after people that were loud and had a voice (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) have have a serious platform uh before i let you go sir catch a contractor Sundays at 10 on Spike TV, you're catching contractors yeah. doing the wrong thing, right? Yeah, that, that show's going very well. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm not surprised, but it's, it's weird that I, I sort of, I, I forgot that I've been off TV for a decade. I mean, you know. Have so, you really? No. Well, no, no. As my, as my agent pointed out to me when I said to James Baby Doll Dixon, geez, I was I in love the, that man. I was in the shower, he said to say hi. I was, in, I was in. I talked to him on the ride, and he said, "Say hi, Rich. A good guy. He is a good man." I said, uh, "I said, uh, Jesus, baby doll. I think it's been a decade since I've been on TV." He went, "Baby, no, no. I mean, since you've had a hit, yeah." But <laughs> <laughs> I I'd, said, "Yeah, that's kind of what I meant." I but love thanks. that man. I, yeah, James. James. He's got quite the. Uh, the roster. The roster. So you're busting contractors? He's or got you're quite the roster. Yeah. Taping them? Or? Yeah. Yeah, Baby Doll has John Stewart and Colbert and Kimmel and oh. Carson Daly and all, all the yeah. good ones. Is there anybody else? He's got Simmons, too, right? Is oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. Simmons? Yeah. yeah. Is, that, is that it? Am I missing anybody? Or that's it? He's got a small well, little boutique, <clears> doesn't he? He's got, he's got a couple of guys. He's got a couple of writers and a couple of, you know, second-tier guys. Because I can always yeah. tell when I call him. Yeah. If he's talking to Jimmy's cousin Sal, yeah. who's one of his guys, he'll go, you know, 
hold on, baby, let me get rid of somebody. But if he's talking to John Stewart, he'll go, baby, let me call you back. <laughs> <laughs> I can always tell. You can right. always tell where you're at. Right. And last weekend, I'm sure he he was on uh, with Colbert almost every two minutes with all that craziness sure. going on. Well, my, you know, my, my I've always said uh, I, I I'm in love with this, which is, you know, when you call somebody and uh, they go. Uh, hold on, uh, uh, I'm on with somebody, you know, especially your agent. Baby, yeah. I'm on with somebody. They don't say who. I'm yeah, on with somebody. Uh, let me call you back. Mm-hmm. And you hang up and you think, all right, he's talking to some client. You got to go that, through the pecking that, that order. That is above me sure. in the pecking order. And uh, so you're like, okay. Um, I always said this. If I was an agent, and, and even not, you should just do this. Every time somebody calls you on your cell phone, you should just pick up and... Rich, you, you, you call me on my cell phone. Hello? Hey, it's Rich. Rich. Hey, Rich. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Hey, good. Yeah, hold on. Let me get rid of somebody. And then I just put it on hold for like five Mississippi. Even though you're not on I, Even though I'm not. The phone has just been sitting on my lap. I like it. Great and, psychology. And then I just come back. Rich, yeah, sorry. I had to get rid of someone who wasn't you. Anyway, what's going on? <laughs> Now you're thinking maybe he's talking to his dad, his mom, Could be. maybe it was Colbert. But, it doesn't. Who cares? But I'm important I, enough. He got rid of somebody. I like it. You'll never ask. You'll never go. Who'd you get rid of? Of course not. All you know is that you're important enough for me to get rid of whoever I was speaking to before you. And now I hold you in higher regard. And you hold you in higher regard. I do. I feel better Don't about you myself. Feel better? And about you, I'm telling you, these patent trolls have no idea who they are f- with. No. They're there you go. There you go. There's your, there's your time code right there. You got that? You got sure? got that one. No five hole. Every now one. and then I, I let one fly. Yeah. And here at NFL Media, we have to bleep that stuff. Sure. And um, every now and then the show posts. Yeah. And I get like, oh, your guy missed one. Look, it goes you five know, hole every now and again. It goes five hole every L- now and then. Let me just say, yeah, how do I handle let this? it fly. How do well, I handle it? Adam, you tell me. Well, look. You're the top of the iTunes chart. You are an unbridled stallion. Thank you. And there's a song called Wildfire that was written about you. It's about a horse that broke down its stall, and it just can't be contained. (laughs) And and the thing about when you sign up for Rich Eisen, you get all of Rich Eisen. Yes, you do. You don't get the uh, rated G or PG or PG-13 Rich Eisen. You signed up for the whole Rich Eyes. The NC seventeen, yeah. That's right. Well you get it all. And a lot of that is, is greatness. And every once in a while that very dark Rich Eyes yeah. just pokes its head up through. <laughs> hey, but that's the entire package. Mm-hmm. And you can't say I want seven eighths of Rich Eyes. No. Nope. You don't do it that way. You get the entire thing. Thank you. You order the Mexican dish, comes with the rice and the beans. <laughs> You don't want to eat the beans. That's your business. <laughs> That's true. But it's coming with rice and beans. And it's Mine came on. with a chicken bone recently. Look out. Wow. Yeah. Look out. Yeah. I, d- I was trying to cut my enchilada, and I was like, this is not cut. Oh, it. I this thought you were talking about me. I'm like, wait a cutting. minute. You're talking about oh, I thought that was gay slang. What? Yeah. <laughs> when I say ordering Mexican food, that's code. For, it's code. Oh, yeah. yeah so look what, out. So what? How, the, my bad, my so, so you're actually chicken bone. Yeah, like a real chicken oh, bone. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, that's okay. no good. Yeah. Uh, so to recap, um, <laughs> we uh, we got Bob Kraft on the horn to celebrate with you. Um, we are going to propose um, a once-a-season 
uh, call for a, a we'll call it the e- should we call it the equalizer poll because mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. oh, the atom poll are we just well, changing the, the name? Well, I mean, is it the atom poll or 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 it it got it has to be branded. Let's call it the Rick poll. So the my Rick, son can get some enjoyment okay. out of it. So the Rick poll comes up. And it equalizes the game it gets regardless you to of how far back you are. It's a 40-point blowout, but it's basically, is it in the last two minutes of a game, though? Yes. It's, ba- okay. it's basically you like... you can't just call for it in the third quarter, yeah, right? you I wouldn't mean, want to. It's, it's basically you saying you can try a half-court Meadowlark-type hook mm-hmm. shot at the end of a basketball game to get to tie it up. Right. And 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 that kick is done by an added 53rd man on the roster. Or, or you know, if your sidewinder wants to do okay. it, he can do it. Whoever's the best on the team. And that person is is located next to a replay gimp within the bowels of the stadium. <laughs> that's right. Okay. That's yeah. that comes out well, to replay. How exciting would it be with 21 seconds left in the game and your team down by 37 points at that <laughs> Dog, the pole coming up, thing, yeah. just the coming music. up, just the crowd right. going nuts, yes. and it's thirty-seven incredible. yards, and the guy's setting up, oh, and he's, checked, he's throwing a little grass in the air to see which way the wind is Season blowing. Season on the line, that's right. I mean, that's just you're there, and there's no tune-out factor because no you tune-out. know that pole is coming. It could at any moment, right? I love it. That all is there. Um, FundAnything.com to go and save podcasts. And catch a contractor on Spike Television. Yep, uh, is on Sunday. Sunday nights at 10 p.m. That is, and me. of course, there's always the Adam Carolla uh, podcast, the Adam Carolla Show on on iTunes and AdamCarolla.com. You are the best, Rich. You Thank are you. the best, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming in, Adam Carolla here in studio, the man, the the Galileo himself <laughs> here on the program. I am pumped for this one. Um, this man, uh, very few people have directed me in my lifetime. Certainly well, on the silver screen. Susie. On a di- well, I mean, that's my wife. Yeah. We're okay. talking about on a daily basis. Okay. I'm there talking about on the silver screen. All right. And gotcha. um, I'm, I was honored to be in this film, honored to be um, here in the same studio with the uh, director and uh, producer also of Draft Day that you can see in theaters near you on April 11th. Ivan Reitman, good to see you, I sir. Wish. Great to be here. How are you? I'm feeling good. You know, nervous. We're just about to open. Yeah. It's coming. I- yeah, I feel good because people seem to love it. I feel good because uh, even, you know, we knew that sports fans would probably dig this, but, um, um, you know, we do a lot of early stu- early marketing stuff. And right. uh, from the early screenings that we've had, we've learned that people who know nothing about football have, you know, are lo- loving the movie as much as uh, people have watched Well, it. and the reason why the movie works, from my point of view, um, is because of of exactly what you're bringing up right there Ivan is that people who might not be hardcore football people are enjoying it because draft days that we have been a part of now for 11 this is going to be our 11th NFL draft that we're covering on NFL Network it's filled with narratives and stories and dramas within families and dreams coming true and also um kids who fall down draft boards it's not all hunky dory and, it's not all and, good and news, roses it? right no, no but it's all stories though yeah all of them stories. are stories and that some of them are father son stories and some of them are mother son stories and some are grandmother and son stories and we've seen kids break down and cry when they're drafted and and, and this movie this film hits every single one of those buttons Ivan, well, and thank that, you. Yeah, and and I think that's what you're referring to. Why people maybe 
who aren't football fans are enjoying it in that regard. Yeah, and it's done against the clock, much like the draft works. I mean, the, we tell the whole story, and I think the, the, the chronology is about 14 hours. It right. starts at 6 o'clock in the morning and goes until midnight after the first round. And, um, and an awful lot of stuff happens in that day. And you really – it's almost like a, a sports event in itself. And a, that was sort of the focus um, of the telling of the story. How can we do – a movie that has a kind of a touchdown pass at the last second of the game without ever going on the field. Right. And it's because it's, it's an interesting I, – I always enjoyed the draft, um, being a host of it for many reasons, and, and I always wonder what, why is it so interesting, right? Because all it is is it's just names being ticked off every 10 minutes or when we started was every 15 minutes. Yeah. And, and it's also, if you think about it, and all the stuff that we do here, Ivan – Thursday night football and also Super Bowls and combine coverage and the Hall of Fame. It's the only event where the newsmakers, the general managers, right, are not in the building. They're not physically there. I know that's the remarkable thing. Most <laughs> most people think when they watch the draft that all the people are it's it's the it's the action at the tables, but, right? But the tables are only reflecting what's going on in thirty two war rooms across the country. I think. Th- I thought that was amazing. I mean, the hard part for me as a film director was, okay, so that's a lot of phone calls because mm-hmm. there's all this negotiation and trading and and uh, asking of questions and how do you do that and make it look, make it a movie, not just a radio show. Right. And um, uh, so we started developing the split screen idea. That, that was great, by the way. And how? But in, in, and when folks see this too, it's the split screen idea is not just. Uh, two people on either side, a normal split screen. They they sort of walk through the other ones. Yeah, it's not Doris Day and well. Rock Hudson, you know, from the no- 1950s. I said, wow, I got to come up with something that's a little different. And with digital technology, we can manipulate a character right out of his background and pull him into somewhere else. And I just wanted the people to be feel like, you know, in a phone call, you really think you're with that person. It's in your head. You're can close your eyes and you can imagine what mm-hmm. that's like in a movie you know we're we're used to a two shot we're used to singles as well and of course that's easy but i didn't want to edit those scenes without the the main characters being together in some way on the screen and and in a more effective way than it's been done in the past so we just played with technology to make it really dynamic and it it, it works and the cast that you got for this film yeah, how well. lucky is that? Huh? I'd like to get into this process here because, uh, I mean, getting Kevin Costner to do another sports movie, I'd imagine you weren't the first one to knock on his door between now and, I guess, as we discussed, uh, for Love of the Game, which is what he did, his own right. con- construct in the late 90s. I think it was 99 that he did it. I mean, you you couldn't have been the first one to say, hey, let's do a sports movie. Yeah, I read the script. Uh, in fact, I read the script in the middle of the night once. I had... I couldn't sleep. The and draft was, day script. The draft day script was the first one. It was next one for me to read. Mm-hmm. And um, it just caught me by surprise. I wasn't looking to do a football movie or even a sports movie exactly. I was just looking to do a good movie. And I just couldn't put it down. I read it in less than an hour. And I knew I was going to direct it before I finished it. No I, there kidding. Was, yeah, there was just – and I, that's never happened before. I may mean, usually work over a script for years, and it usually comes out of an idea that – you know, I've either brought up or a friend that I'm working with has brought up. And this just came in. And it was a 
And it was no surprise to me to find that it won this sort of blacklist award, which is um, yeah, it's an award given to uh, unproduced screenplays of that year, the best of them, and it, they're voted on by industry professionals, whatever that means. It's about two or three thousand. <laughs> it was like the top one for two years in a row, right? The top uh, undeveloped. Well, script? I think it was. It's only the, in the one year, but one it was year. not only. Um, it not only won. It won by like a, a landslide of. Uh, 60-odd votes. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually they win by two or three votes, whoever hmm. uh, the top film. Anything in the top five is like an amazing And this thing. was it. This, this was, was it. I didn't know. It happened after we had bought it already. But um, so Well, that's good. I felt good about the choice. I said, God. Um, and I heard a voice when I was reading it. And um, I said, who is that guy? Now, it was written for like a 35-year-old general manager, and there's not too many of those guys. And... Um, that's true. And, but I kept hearing somebody, and I couldn't, I said, I know who this is, and I, and I couldn't picture him. And I realized, oh, it's Costner, damn it. <laughs> that's who I was thinking about. Uh, yeah, he's in his 50s, but that's actually more right for this. And right. We just reworked it for Costner. I sent it to him, went to visit him in Aspen. And so we, we hung out for 24 hours, and we each have a fairly extensive histories. So we've been around. And the nicest thing that happened is that we sort of liked each other and ended up trusting each other. Uh, and we got there pretty quickly, and he had really smart things to say about the script. I think he improved the script. He had, you know, he's a big, uh, you must know this from speaking to him mm-hmm. alone, uh, he just knows a lot about sports, really the kind of the emotional side of sports, that, um, and he helped, he had some good ideas uh, you know, that we kept doing, and I added stuff. We worked on it for six months and started shooting. And when did you uh, get the NFL involved? Because that is that is as crucial a, a component as anything else because it makes it in, incredibly believable when yeah, you— Yeah, there was no way to make this movie. Without, without it, right? I mean, yeah, we, we had made a deal. We said, look, we're not going to do this unless we get them. And the studio was not interested in making it without the NFL, and— the fortunately, you know, I think Tracy Perlman from uh, the NFL was the first person to read it, and mm-hmm. she loved it. She called me up and she said, "You know, you have no idea how many scripts we get every day." I'm sure they must <laughs> get one every. every I, you I, know. I, I know they get bombarded. Said, Everyone wants to use the NFL as a as a backdrop. And, and it was such a pleasure to read something that sort of emotionally caught what we're all about, and uh, and so that started the process of getting NFL approval and. You know, it was not easy. I mean, they had lots to say, but it wasn't about, like, you got to change this, you got to change that. I mean, it was, it was interesting stuff. It was like, uh, hey, you know, you can't, the general manager can't drive a Toyota. You know, we, we're with, <laughs> we're with uh, GMC as our, as oh, our sponsorship. Brand. <laughs> we're branding. Okay. So it wasn't about even, they didn't mind if somebody drove a Toyota in, in, in the movie. It just, look, our star can't do that, and we can't do that to our brands. You know, you must get that right here at the NFL Network. Sure. And, uh, We've heard that before. <laughs> We've heard about NFL so, branding before. And so, I mean, there was particularly, you know, there's a lot of phones in this film, and uh, particularly. So oh, you got to go Motorola's, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, not anymore. I no, no, not, not anymore. anymore. <laughs> what, are we, what are we right, right now? What are we on now? I think it's Samsung right Samsung. now. Samsung. Oh. Say, yeah. See, I'm behind the times even. Cisco in the office, Samsung on the Wow, cell phone. I should speak to you first, Ivan. I didn't know. Okay. Well, we're well-versed. Um, <laughs> yes, you are. 
<laughs> you know, there was um, lots of talk about language, but finally they let it go, um, almost, uh, or at least 95% of it. I, what, uh, that's one of the things I was most impressed with with this film, that it, it is, if you think it's an NFL-sponsored whitewash, that you're not going to see sort of, uh, a, 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 what's the word for it, ribald? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's ribald. Ri- ribald, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, it, you're, you're going to see some red ass. You're going to see some people talk like you would imagine when the clock is coming down and the pressure of making the right pick or the right trade or the right move. This is the way people you would imagine would talk. And the NFL letting that go. And letting you, Ivan, do your job and letting everyone else do their job, I thought was spectacular. I was so pleased to see that. Yeah. You know, and you're nodding your head too, Chris. Yeah. You saw the yeah, film. Yeah, absolutely. Law, you're going to see it later this week. Yeah, I'm seeing it. Looking forward to later. it. Later. I mean, I was, really, I was really pleased to see that. I just kept asking and everybody involved in professional football, does this make sense? Please read the script. Tell me what. I think I asked you, Rich, yeah. very early on to read the yeah. Uh, the draft of when you had uh, kindly agreed to come on, come into the movie, I said, look, just read and tell me if we're wrong anywhere. I mean, you know as much about the draft as virtually anybody out there. And just, you know, so we talked to coaches, to team owners, to players. And then, of course, we talked to the NFL, all those technical guys who basically run how the draft operates. Well, you put them in the movie. We saw Joel Busser. We <laughs> saw right. Frank Zipovic. Sammy Choi gets a little bit of a pop. That's the time I heard I that. mean, <laughs> and we, we, we you all put these guys all who there. are, you know, who are there and doing an amazing job, actually. Like, I never understood how the trade thing worked. You know, how when two teams make a trade and they it's happened in two different cities, how everyone hears about it and and clears it at, at Radio City and it's we try and as soon as I heard you know what really goes on that each team calls in and there's a team you know that there's the officials table Joel Busser <laughs> that's right if his phone rings I tell this on our broadcast I'm like that guy if you see that guy in the background picking up the phone it is not to order pizza <laughs> yeah, he's getting up. a phone something, <laughs> something is, is up. up yes exactly well, that was great and I said well we got to show that you know it wasn't necessarily in the script at the at the beginning, so we started adding all these details. When I, I think it was uh, Russ Brannon, what's his, the guy? Yes, he's in it. He's actually in the movie. So uh, when I went to visit him, because we were originally going to set this in Buffalo, but it cost too much, and we ended up shooting it in Cleveland. I, uh, but Russ started talking about the draft party that they have at the end of the first round, mm-hmm. uh, right in their own field house. And I said, you have a party at the end of the first round? Yeah, and we bring in the guy. You know, if we got a top, top pick, we usually try to fly him down in time for the ending of the party and mm-hmm. introduce him. Mm-hmm. I said, wow, what a cool idea. Let's call up the writers. I said, we got to write this new sequence where we bring in all the picks, you know, that they managed to get in that first round. And um, and it turns out to be this kind of a nice summary of something. Yeah. Because these guys have never been together and, you know, with Kevin Costner in the film. So it was a nice way to at least bring everybody together. And it's just stuff, you know, as we researched the the veracity of what we were trying to do, we would just pick up new stuff that we could add. Mm-hmm. And and everything, and you nail, I mean, you nailed it. The, uh, Frank Langella is the owner. Some great lines that he has as well. You know, like every, I, I'm not going to give away too much, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's the line he said to him at the end at the amusement park. 
at the end of that, at the end of the, about making a splash. That's right. That people pay well, to get wet. I mean, that's a really great line. I mean, he he was great. And um, Ellen Burstyn, Sam Elliott. You, these yeah, frankly, are, these I tell are you no, nothing about football. By of all the people involved in this movie, right. He probably knew the least. Frank, right? Frank Langella. I mean, he's seventy-five years old. He's been nominated for God knows how many Academy Awards and Tonys <laughs> and Tonys, <laughs> right? So he shows up at the draft, and he is because he's uh, in our film. You know, the owner makes a because you know usually, of course, no general managers are at the draft, as you guys all know, and. Uh, but an owner will occasionally come if he's got the first pick because I interviewed Bob McNair. Yeah, the year he was number one overall, <laughs> and they, they were going to uh, they took Mario Williams. Mario Williams instead of Reggie Bush, <laughs> and he came on our show live to talk about it. Yeah. So when you sent me pages, which I've never thought I would ever say to Ivan Reitman, and it would be true, <laughs> when you sent me pages saying we want you to be in the scene with Frank Langella, I'm. This is I've done this before. This has yes. been, this has happened before. After the owner has an M one overall pick, it does happen. So, I did it. So I mean, there's this very you know natural thing where he's in the commissioner's lounge, and we were fortunate enough to have Goodell himself, you know, play our commissioner. And, yes, and uh, the goods. Uh, you know, he gave me five minutes for the scene, and. I remember Langell says, so who is this guy? I no. Said, <laughs> <laughs> I said, be really nice to him. He's very important. <laughs> He's important to us. Yes. <laughs> and he does this, but he does it really naturally. He's got this scene with him. And then Ray Lewis walked in just by accident. And um, uh, David Dunn, who's his uh, agent, who's also in the in movie. In the movie, yes. Yes. Uh, said, hey, you guys want to put Ray Lewis in the movie? I said, sure. <laughs> He'd be backstage in the green room, so let's bring him in. And I said, Lange, so here's the conversation you have to have. And I had to explain this whole thing, who Ray Lewis was to Langella. And, um, oh, and, so uh, good. <laughs> and Ray was so lovely, and he was actually very effective. I mean, uh, and he, he works just fine in the picture the way we use him. Yes. And um, yeah. it just felt like a real moment, you they, know, that a guy like that would have gone. There's no through. question. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I, I, also with um, – with Langella, I, don't know if I told you this, when he showed up on the set, and this was the Friday uh, uh, after Thursday night, right. when, when, you had to shoot, yeah, when you had to shoot our, our scenes for the film, and, and I'm, I, I'm sure you did the same thing with Berman and the ESPN crew on that yes. Friday also, right? Yeah. So uh, Langella comes on the set, and I've never met him before. I'm a fan of his work. I mean, my yeah. lord, it's this Frank freaking Langella. Skeletor, Masters of the Universe. That's the worst possible no, role of him please. to never. bring up. Nixon, that, I know. He's please, done everything. Please. Have you seen him as Dracula? Oh, my God. He was a... Uh... <laughs> right. Dracula. I think wow. he was... I think he played Amadeus on Broadway, right? That's or correct. Was he... I saw him as Amadeus right. on Broadway. Okay, actually. so... That's what you say to Ivan Reitman, okay? You don't bring up Skeletor. I'm hoping he'll remake the Good Lord. series. Oh, you can bring up Skeletor. Yeah, it's all right. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, long story short, uh, he says to me, because, I, I, you know, I mean, Thursday night was crazy. Mm-hmm. Friday is a long day, as you know. I don't need to tell you. You were physically yeah. there. You saw what we do for a living at NFL Network, everybody in the trucks and all that. So, I mean, <clears throat> I had taken a, look, like a slight look at the lines before and just figured I'll have the, the – pages in front of me and i'll i'll just do what i have to do i'm right. playing myself for crying out loud <laughs> you could do that I, right exactly i figure i could do that so he walks up to me and he shakes my hand and he says uh, nice to meet you rich and i'm like nice to meet you uh mr langell and he goes um would you like to run through our lines and i'm like oh shit. 
<laughs> I'm like, I can't believe this is happening, number one. And what do I say to him? Like, well, you know what? I mean, I didn't I didn't really look, Frank, but so you're going to be in this scene with a total amateur. You know, but you guys you know? started ad-libbing together. And we that, did, right? And that's when it really sounded right because that's the way it really is. Yeah. And I, I always try to do that. Look, I started my career directing Bill Murray. I mean, you, you learn to be nimble. Because <laughs> he... He often, almost always, has something better to say than what was written. Mm-hmm. And he'll have a great idea. I mean, I remember working with him in Meatballs. Is the first that was the oh. first one, right? Meatballs? That was the first one. And uh-huh. I produced Animal House just before it. And I'd worked with Bill on a show called uh, The National Lampoon Show, which was an off-Broadway review sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just Bill. It was John Belushi, Gilda Radner, Harold Ramis, Joe Flaherty, um, all in this amazing stage show. This is before Saturday Night Live. It's before SCTV. This is, so it's, uh, I was about to say, it's a mix of two of the greatest yeah. shows of that genre, right? SCTV yeah, the, and SNL. Yeah, it was all these guys, and uh, it's what changed my life. I got to produce this show, and uh, and so I had a real good sense of what these guys could do, and I finally talked. I had just done Animal House. I was hoping to direct it. They wouldn't let me direct it because all I had done up to this moment is this little $12,000 comedy horror movie called Cannibal Girls, mm-hmm. which had actually Eugene Levy and Andrea Martin oh, from SCTV right. before any of these people were known. And, uh, <laughs> and so that was my credit. Now, then I had the National Lampoon Show, and I had, oddly enough, the Magic Show, which was a big Broadway hit with Doug Henning. And so I worked on the script of Animal House with Harold Ramis and all the other writers for about two years, and we finally talked Universal into making it. Because for two years, they didn't want to make Animal House. It's, uh, it's too, raunchy, too raunchy, it's too crappy, and it's not funny, they would argue. It's oh. not funny. Suits, oh, man. Yeah. Really, suits, come on. I remember walking with Doug Kenny, who was also one of the great writers and one of the founders of the National Lampoon, and mm-hmm. he'd be reading his script, his own script, uh, that he curled, and he would turn to me and he'd say, isn't this like... I just read it again, and <laughs> isn't this like one of the funniest scripts you've ever read? And I said, yeah, it is. It's two guys who've never done anything without a pot to piss in. Mm-hmm. And we were absolutely confident that we had this great screenplay. And so Animal House, they say, I'm sorry, Ivan, all you've got is Cannibal Girls. I don't think you can direct this. Right, so they gave it to Landis, <laughs> they gave Landis. It to, We found Landis, who had at least done a couple of features that they had heard of, and uh, he did a great job. And, but I realized, oh, I have to direct, and so... I called my friends up who I'd gone to school with, and we wrote Meatballs, this camp comedy. And I called up Bill Murray. I said, look, I'm going to shoot in Canada, and it's a, and if it's no good, no one's going to see it. <laughs> and if it's good, hey, you didn't waste your summer. And he was getting ready to go on to Saturday Night Live. He had never been on. Mm-hmm. So nobody knew who he was. He said, nah, I, I think I'm going to play softball and, and golf all summer. And I said, come on, Bill, you've got to help me. And uh, finally talked him into doing the film. And what I realized, and this is my first like real movie with a big crew and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a four or five hundred thousand dollar budget, and I by then I was co-financing it with some friends uh, because of of my earnings from the Magic Show. Okay, and uh, uh, this is before Animal House had come out. I mean, I squeezed it in really quick because I wanted to be a director and. He, um, you know, first day he looks at the, uh, his pages for his first scene. He uh-huh. says, it's crap. <laughs> Just throws it out. That's what I he said? said? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we got this shot all set up and everything. He said, oh 
uh, just, yeah, well, just do the shot, and I'll, I'm going to just change the lines a little bit. I said, okay. And, uh, you know, he goes through it. It's when he's introduced to, if, for those of you who remember Meatballs, uh, he's being introduced to the counselors in training for the very <laughs> first town. And he just runs his own lines. And all the other guys just say the lines that were written. <laughs> right. <laughs> I turned to the guy who's producing with me, an old friend who also wrote it. I said, God, thank God this guy showed up. Because he didn't show up until the second day of shooting. I didn't know I had him until the day before we started shooting. I refused to cast anyone else. It was like, well, it was a moment you, of total insanity. What did you see in him? That I guess that, that, that he, because he had not been on Saturday Night Live yet. No, but I had worked with him uh-huh. on this show, um, on this stage show. And, right. You know, he was just this remarkable presence, as was Belushi, as was Gilda Radner, as was Harold. And, um, and they were, they were the best I had ever seen anywhere. And, so I was, I, and I couldn't find anybody. I mean, it's not like I didn't audition anybody else uh-huh. because I didn't want to actually go into shooting without, an, without the star of the movie. But I actually started shooting uh, uh, without him actually on the set. And I had only found out that day that I had him. Oh, my Lord. That's, and that and, was your and, first crack at directing. <laughs> well, technically my second after Cannibal Girls. Sure. But we actually had sort of a script on this one. <laughs> One of the things I learned. <laughs> best. One of the great things I learned from Cannibal Girls. Oh, script scripts are good to have <laughs> when you're shooting a movie. <laughs> we sort of decided it would be an improv film, you know. So did Bill Murray just kind of wing the whole movie? No, uh, he didn't. You oh, know, okay. and that was the kind of, uh, you know, I was talking about being nimble. What I learned is, I had to get involved. You know, I had to make sure that what he was doing made sense in the course of the story right in the story that we were already telling but whenever he had a good idea which was almost every day and often i had to be fast enough and smart enough to take what's best about what he was pitching mm-hmm. and doing and and work it into what was good about the original script and sort of hold it all together so when did so you went from that into stripes Yes. From that directly into Stripes? Yeah, the great thing about Stripes is I knew I had him two weeks before I started shooting. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so that was a real improvement. But and, and and putting Harold Ramis in the film yes. as well, as opposed to again, behind I had, the scenes. Again, I knew Harold was as good as these guys. I had seen him on stage, and he held his own with John Belushi and, and with the rest of them. So even though he was a total unknown, right. um, it had never really been in anything other than other stage shows, um, I had absolute confidence. And, and so did Bill, by the way, because Bill had been worked with him on a stage show. So he saw him as an equal, and that was very useful. And and they were equals, and they're great in that movie together. Well, it is obviously in, incredible. I mean, it's it's seminal. And what, from the film, is, is there anything that, that, that we would recall as the, I guess, quintessential lines in the film that were ad-libbed. Is there anything from that oh, film that, or how much of that? There's a ton of stuff that, okay. you know, got, that had a very, very good script uh, written by Dan Goldberg and Len Bloom and Harold Ramis. Right. You know, uh, they all sort of had worked on the draft. And then you'd have to add, uh, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd have to ask, add Bill's name to that, even though he didn't officially get writing credit because he does so much. Um you know, my favorite sequence is that, mar- that famous sort of um, 
uh, marching thing where they all sort of march together and do boom mm-hmm. chakalaka, right? You know, and that's the f- it ends with that's the fact, Jack. Right. And now th- that that whole group, half of whom were actors and half of whom were real soldiers, we picked up at Fort Knox because that's where I was filming. You know, they trained for two weeks to get that drill right. I kept going to Bill and said, Bill, please, you got to practice this. You got, you know, you're going to lead it, and it's going to be. <laughs> It's going to be the best thing, you know. It's it, you know, it's the climax of the second act, and we got to go from there. He says, "Yeah, I, I got it." <laughs> and uh, fantastic. And I I sort of saw him talk to one of the guys one evening, or just a little bit before we were shooting it, and I could see him getting it down. In other words, he wouldn't practice publicly <laughs> with everybody else, but he he saw the moves. And he's really so um, adroit and so quick. He just got it right away. And um, it was one of the first times I ever used this. I think it, it was shot with a steady cam, which is a camera that has a, a special jib or something on yeah, it yeah. that it makes it very smooth. It was invented literally about six months before that sequence. And I had the inventor actually operating. <laughs> and... We shot that whole sequence, including the running up and all the things that you remember about that day, all in, all in one day. And it's because the drill team was really well drilled. And Bill just sort of was the kind of conductor on top of it. And he basically said, just repeat whatever I say. <laughs> you know, they had the moves. They had all that stuff down. Uh-huh. But, but in terms of the kind of back and forth thing, and um, and I just shot it, you know, like a ballet, <laughs> and, it, it, wow. and it, it just worked it's out incredible. great. It was well edited. A I classic, think. an absolute instant classic. And I don't know if I told you two, Chris, is this story because, you know, Ivan in in draft day, it's me, Mayock, and Dion right. representing the NFL Network desk, and Gruden, and and Kuiper, and uh, Berman, Berman, the ESPN desk. Yep. So Mayock, as you guys know. When during the draft, there's no there is no throwing him off his game. I mean, this is yeah. it. This is his Super Bowl, and he's grinding his tape, and he's looking at he's <laughs> calling up general man. He's doing his job. So they get him to do anything but his job during those days and hours leading up to the draft is monumental. So to tell him, hey, we want to shoot a movie, and have you in it, and take you away from that stuff, no matter how cool it might sound, he was a little bit Mayockian about it, <laughs> is the only way to put it. And you guys know exactly what oh, I'm talking yeah. about. Of course. So he goes to me, as we we're getting set to meet Ivan, he says to me, so what are we going to do right now? And I'm like, we're going to meet the director of Draft Day. And I just knew Mayock, who is so into this football world, there's only a handful of pop culture references that he understands. And Stripes is one of them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, thank Stripes you for reminding me. I just one forgot of about them. that. <laughs> so I said to him, I'm like, he, he's a director of uh, note, to say the least. You're in great hands. And he directed Stripes. That was it for him. He's like, where is he? I want to meet him. Sign him up. And he came, I mean, he was like, He's like the bizarro Frank Langella. He doesn't know anything about film. Lighten up Francis. He knows all of that. He knew he could recite that scene <laughs> verbatim. But Mayock, in his ultimate way, because he must evaluate everything in his life, <laughs> says when he met you, I don't know if you remember what he said when you, he met you, Ivan, he goes, I love stripes right up until you go to Europe. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is the scene I was just talking which about. Which is what he said. Yeah. Right up until you go to your mic, Mike. You don't have. Not everything needs to be evaluated, and tape doesn't need to be broken down. I'm like, what are you doing? Too On good. top of everything else, I don't know if you remember this, but I sure do. We were with Arian Foster in the green room, right? And he had to catch a plane. I thought I had him the next day, and then I was told literally that morning. Look, he's getting on a plane because he's got his own charitable thing that he's got to get to. And you've got to get all his scenes in for the movie. And so I was just running around trying to get as many shots. And I remember uh, Ali Bell, our producer, comes up to me and said, Look, uh, Rich Eyes is getting pissed. Oh, hey, you no, guys are, you guys, no. are, you guys are, you guys are late. Uh, you, you said you were going to be there at eleven o'clock. <laughs> this is what we needed, Ivan. Thank you for this information. <laughs> you guys, you were supposed to be down there at the uh, NFL desk at eleven o'clock, and it's already five oh, after. Oh my lord! I said I got to get just one more take. If I don't get one more take, I don't have this like really. You know when he says, "I'm a brown, I'm a brown." Right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so I'm trying to get oh, all this gosh. stuff done, and I. Um, was I a prima donna on the no, set? No, I mean, I, mean, I could tell you're a, a little. He, well, you guys are in the middle of. You're you're just preparing for the second round. You did work the f- until God knows what. The yeah, night I got before. stuff to do. <laughs> you, you guys are like busy, and I and I finally I got. So I got there in there about five. But you guys but are great. Good. There was like thirty seconds where I said, "Oh my God." Uh, everyone's annoyed. <laughs> I got I got to I got to cool this uh, event. Oh god. It, was, it happened ask, very quickly. We were going to ask, uh, you know, Berman, Rich, who was more difficult to work with, but it sounds like we might have gotten our No. <laughs> oh. No. Wow. <laughs> Berman had his own idiosyncrasy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite was when he opened up the suitcase and the drinks came out. You know, the, the different, he has different kinds of like sodas. Oh, I thought it's all Diet Coke. Yeah, it was mostly. Di- it was. He's yeah, it a wasn't. Di- a- he's a Diet Coke guy, or, he, yeah. or at least he always was. Or maybe it was all full of Diet Cokes. I wasn't sure, but a case. Yeah, he had like wow. a suitcase, you know, instead of with papers and drinks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was nice enough to oh, offer man. me one. Oh, but I think I remember you said to Mayock when he said that to you that you ran out of money for the movie. Is that is that true? Or no, you, no, because no, that's I, a, I don't think I, I would have said that. That's, that's, what, I, that's what he said that you said to him. No, about about stripes that you when you shot it. Oh, okay. No, it was it was actually technically my first studio movie. It was okay, done with Columbia and no, it came in right on budget. Oh, that's good. Yeah, no, it was. We always thought there had to be a war if it was going to be a war movie, <laughs> so we created one with Czechoslovakia, <laughs> which is where you're, where you're from. from right? Which yeah. exactly, it was just you know an internal thing. Okay, I have a question. Well, you mentioned Arian Foster. I haven't seen the film yet. These guys have. How, how big is his role? And what it's kind of like? I think Ray Allen, Jesus Shuttlesworth, like from He Got Game. Does he have a big role in this? He has a nice part. Nice you know, part. it's not. I mean, it's a significant part. He's got about four scenes, and he had to do dialogue. I mean, real dialogue, and yeah. he had to walk and talk. Which is not that easy. No, uh, you just try no, to do not. it. Sometime. Walking and talking, I'll <laughs> tell you, that's that's the toughest part of my job. But he's very no, he's very he's good, good in it. Yeah, he's very very I'm good in it. To see it. Yeah. But uh, you know, Chadwick Boseman, yeah, crushes his role. He yeah, is awesome. He, I mean, he was absolute. Uh, there will definitely be people who maybe haven't seen Forty Two yet, and I won't have seen him. He's about to blow up as James Brown. That's coming to this summer. Yeah, that perhaps think that he is an actual NFL player in the yeah, role. Yeah, I mean, he looks it, and he, you know, he he uh, contained it, you know. He just, um, I think this is like one of the big stars of, I mean, he's a, a kind of a big star already. Correct. But, but I think he he's going to be one of those guys that really at the most upper level of things, he can do so much. He's so attractive, 
and um, and he's he can be funny, he can be really serious, and he's a really really fine actor, mm-hmm. and uh, and he really um, uh, he buys into it. He buys into his roles in a very really good, wonderful, serious way mm. that makes he us is, believe in He him. is excellent in it. In the time I have left with you, I have to hit you on Ghostbusters. How did that come about? What was the idea of having him, uh, Bill Murray, and Harold Ramis, and Aykroyd together well, a- as ghost fight of, you know, Ghostbusters? How did that come Dan about? Dan wrote this really wonderfully brilliant and odd treatment uh, for he and Belushi. Um, and I think it was in, it was set in the future. I think a lot of it was set off off Earth, somewhere where there were groups of ghostbusting teams fighting each other. But it had this brilliant idea in it, which is here are these guys who function much like firemen, and but they catch ghosts and they've got this cool equipment, and they they write and there was just good stuff there. And um, Belushi died, and it sat. Um, unmade for a, f- a number of years and I had just finished working with Bill a couple of times and I think he spoke to Bill about whether he would be interested in doing it and Bill had said yes uh, and he sa- they sent it to me and I pitched sort of let's set this in New York today you know you guys are at university and and you get kicked out and you go into business together. I, I already structured it as a going into business movie, mm-hmm. but it's an odd business that then becomes yeah. really profitable. And um, we just, it all came together really quickly. It was, um, we met, I think, in April or May. I pitched it to Columbia, who I just done stripes with. And they said yes in the room. Uh, they said, how much? You know, I, I pitched the movie in about as much time as I just described it no to you. No kidding. And... Um, they said, wow, that sounds like it would be great, and it's with Bill. And and uh, I said, yeah, Bill, Harold, and Danny. And they said, okay, well, we'll do it. How much do you think it'll cost? And I said, and I just picked a number out of my ass. It was said $30 million. His stripes had cost 10 at that time. So I figured, you know, three times as much I think I can handle it. And I said, okay, you got $30 million. Wow. I, and then they said, um, but you have to have it ready by June 10th, 1984. And this is... I think it's the beginning of May or the end of April, 1983. So I had 13 months uh, to have it ready. We didn't actually have a script. We just had his treatment and sort of my reconstruction of it. We had no effects company because there was only one great effects company then, which was called ILM, still is. And yeah, it's Lucas, Spiel- Sp- yeah. Spielberg or Lucas? Yeah, or? Lucas's company that Spielberg was already using to do the second Indiana Jones, or it was called Indiana Jones. Right. And... Um, so we had to create our own special effects company. We had to r- get a script ri- written, and we had to cast and do all the other things that you do to make a movie, a complicated movie. But it was really one of the great experiences of my life, you know, shooting in New York um, at a time when people were... No one had ever seen a movie quite like that, the combination of of comedy with, you know, big special effects, things that scared you. I think that was the wonderful yeah. surprise of the movie. Right. Is... I remember the very first screening we had, people would scream when that librarian changed into that horrible <laughs> figure. And they would scream, and then they would start to laugh their asses off. It was the kind of combination of things that I think that made it a kind of a powerful event. Well, and you want to talk cultural touchstones from the film, too. I mean, Ray Parker Jr.'s yeah. song, too. I mean, that that's still going through my head right now. I mean, how did that uh, come up? How did you find him? 
to, well, to do the Well, we kept on looking. I knew I needed a song for a montage, so we kept, um, you know, auditioning different people, and he finally came in, and there, and it was we were already mixing the movie by the time that song came in. The, the only bad news about that damn song yeah. is that uh, Elmer Bernstein wrote this brilliant score, and I think when you see the movie again after all these years, you realize how important his film score, you know, sure. uh, is to that film and holding it together and giving it a kind of uh, scale and breadth um, and a classicism, you know, that sure. sort of <laughs> makes that film. And uh, that the, the that kind pe- of people forget that he did this, I'll, uh, you know. Lost in I ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> That's right. is what you're saying. Lost in all of that. Exactly right. Is 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 a beautiful <laughs> score that helps the movie be what it is, for sure. Um, a f- couple more questions. Just here, this may be a silly question, but I'll ask it anyway. Just hearing again the DNA of 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 your films from this era, for sure, um, with Murray and uh, Harold Ramis, um, and with SNL folks. How did how are you not part of Caddyshack? Were you how, how did you? How did that? Well, I think Harold not hit the, your desk. I you know. by now worked with Harold four or five times, right? And he wanted to be a director. He wanted to run his own shop. You know, he was, um, um, and so he sort of started writing Caddyshack, and he he wanted to direct it and produce it himself. And he, I totally understood that. Right. And he basically set up his own. Uh, film at that time right I mean I admired it I can tell you that <laughs> yeah. what a great movie um, uh, he, it's a great loss I mean I think his uh, I went to his funeral he yes. just passed away um, just a few weeks ago just a few weeks ago and it it, it had a real prof- his 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 death really had a profound effect on me and and I'd been working on another Ghostbusters with the studio mm-hmm. and him and Danny uh, for about the last uh, four years, and uh, we started all that together, and and uh, he got sick about three and a half years ago, and we all thought, you know, it's just going to be nothing. It, I think it was diverticulitis. I mean, nobody wants that, but it's usually solved quite easily. But I think something happened in the hospital, and it just got worse. And he got a stroke from it, and then he fought his way back for a while. And I kept sort of in touch with him and with his wife because I wanted to make sure he could be in this last one. Right. Even if it was going to be a small role. And uh, literally two months, I was going to go visit him about three months ago because I kept hearing that he was, I kept hearing first that he was better and then I kept hearing rumors that he wasn't. And I wanted to just see with my own eyes where he was, how he was, how I could sort of direct him and what was the situation for real and literally the day before I was supposed to visit his wife called me and said I don't think you should come uh, just now I think uh, things have Mm. turned for the worst and in fact he had had another stroke at that point and he died three months after oh my gosh and and now you're not gonna be part of the Ghostbusters I came back to the studio and I said you know look I've directed the first two um, and I just don't you know, Bill never wanted to be part of this. Um, he just has had a whole career shift in the last. Sure, he sure has. In his it's last five years, if you think about what, yeah, what he his... was doing, and look, God bless him. He should do whatever he wants to do. And I think he just—it wasn't really. Uh, he had never actually. I don't think he's ever read any drafts of the script, or he might have read ten or fifteen pages. Um, he just never wanted to engage. I couldn't get him on the phone uh, to even talk about it, and. 
so with 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 him doubtful and with and by the way I never had I never sort of ruled him ever out because really in all the great movies we did together he never showed up until yes, the last <laughs> minute anyway so for me it was like sure. business as usual and for uh but it was with Harold's loss I said you know this is really an era that's shifting and that's really the story of of the new ghostbusters anyway and um I'd probably better off just uh producing it which I've been doing a lot of and and finding someone really good and appropriate and you know bring something new to it right and um and um I I look forward to that and then draft day uh, through all of this here here it comes and you're in the director's chair for that one and yeah and, and I love I love that experience I love doing something a little more dramatic which draft day is I mean there's funny stuff in it but it's basically um you know a roller coaster ride and uh, it is and I just uh I like doing that and want to find something like that again for Excellent. me to direct. Well, this was great, Ivan. I'm, I Real really appreciate you. you. Can we ask about Arnold? What's, uh, what's, what's it like to work with Arnold? Oh, gosh, yeah. Go ahead. You guys got a question? Well, I love, you know, I love the guy. I think he's um, – I've done three movies with him, you know, Twins, Kindergarten, Cop, and Junior. In, in many ways, Junior is my favorite, uh, and it's the, the one of the three that didn't do as well. And um, – It was ahead of its time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think people just uh, – uh, particularly his fans didn't want to see him. They felt somehow it was demeaning for him to be pregnant. <laughs> the um, but um, and I love I love doing Kindergarten Cop because it's actually an action movie, and I don't do too many of those. I've never actually really done a pure action film, and I love the sort of first quarter of that, which is almost a pure action movie. And so. Uh, and I love working, putting uh, DeVito with uh, yeah. all together. Oh, that, that, uh, it's classic. There's no doubt about that. And, this and, bed is lumpy, right? That's the line <laughs> from uh, the, the scene in the hotel. And Dave, too, can you tell a cool Kevin Klein story? Well, um, I just uh, love that script. Uh, again, it's the, probably the closest movie to draft day that I've done. It's, it's basically... Why would you say that? I think there's a... Uh, it has a kind of... A, a more serious center, you know, there's mm-hmm. a, um, to it. And there's something about the tone of it, even though one's about politics and, and draft day certainly about um, sports. But um, I don't know. There's something resonant about both those movies that feel uh, the same to me. Kevin Klein's just one of those great um, actors. My, um, uh, my favorite moment, you know, he's a great uh, – He's like um, an acrobat, really, and I. <laughs> it's a silly moment, but it's it's one of those nice things. When I say, first time he was in the um, trying out the president's chair in the Oval Office, right. and uh, he was swinging it back and forth, just sort of at. I use improvisation a little bit, uh, even in a movie that's as perfectly scripted as that is, um, and even draft day we used some improvisation, you know, just to get. Uh, the rhythms more naturally as you sort of experienced yourself mm-hmm. and you know he was swinging back and forth in his chair and I said okay on the next take just really go for it and just um, just flip over and or do whatever you think it comes and he and it's, it's real it's in the movie and he just he goes whoa <laughs> and he flips over backwards and um and then he just jumps up and he says, it's nothing, it's nothing, because the uh, Secret Service guy yeah, immediately <laughs> runs into the room. And Those kinds of little human comedic uh, moments are 
everything to me. I mean, I, it's sort of what makes um, my job the most fun. Yeah, I liked when they were at the plant and he's got those the hands things, like the, the fish story. It was this big. Yeah, he made that up. That was a... We did have the Louie Louie. We even had the rights to do that with the big uh, piece of equipment. But And he learned how to how to use it and he just it just uh ad-libbed that moment you uh you didn't direct it but you produced it ha- private parts with, with howard stern and it's really his, his, the only film he's ever done is there any talk of working together on something else or? yeah we talk uh you know a few times a year and i love the guy and he's i really worked intensely on that film on the screenplay and and on producing that and i probably should have directed it uh, i was i was busy i was doing actually um two films at the same time already space jam which i sort of was directing mm-hmm. even though i wasn't officially the director i did most of it and um so that was um kind of my other sports even, movie there's, even, not, there's, not even, five, right? there's <laughs> even word there's even word of lebron that's right doing a, yeah or, not you, really you believe or not on that <laughs> front but there's i'm not sure know. i really believe he's actually ever going to do that but he'd be i think lebron would actually be good that's at great hosting oh yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think because there's this wonderfully goofy, charming thing that he yeah that he no, has. He's very likable outside and, of you know leaving Cleveland, but other than that, um, and what was the other film that? Oh, you were doing Father's Day with um, uh, Billy Crystal and jeez, uh, that's I've been doing this. You've too been long. doing a while. No, I know. Sure. <laughs> so you were doing those films, and and, and uh, I I said you know what, let's get somebody else to direct that, mm-hmm. uh, and I should have directed it myself because I love the movie. And I think uh, Betty Thomas, who did direct it, did a great job. And I, th- I love the way that movie turned out. Yeah. yeah. It was a great propaganda film for him. I think it actually uh, was a big shift in his – the way – he was always like that, but people now suddenly perceived They saw him the human, the family side of him outside yeah, of the and, video. And yeah, and who he, who he actually is. I think people know that much more now. And yeah. also, I, it was the first time I ever saw Paul Giamatti – yeah. on a screen, and yeah. he was killer, spectacular yeah. in uh, that film. He should have been nominated for that. I thought, <laughs> I mean, and he's since gone on to What's do the, some incredible the things. WNBC. So good, yeah. We could go on and on here. I thank you for remembering all these films. Of course. Makes me feel great. And that's what it's just so awesome that you're the director of Draft Day, Ivan. And again, this is for... I'm not just saying it because, you know, an NFL guy. No, and it's not, awesome. It really it nails draft day right on the head, and it's it's real. And and um, you got some incredible actors in this. Costner doing a sports movie again. It's nice to see him. Like, it was really, great to see. It was, it, really, it was like the great star that he always was, you know, but you, hasn't had the opportunity for whatever reason to sort of show his stuff. In the last five or six years, and he, it felt it felt great to s- just as a fan to see that, and yeah. and again as somebody who who lives and breathes the NFL, it puts a roof over my head to see him as the general manager of the Browns, uh, as he's going to be on this show next week. He he, I think at one point had more tenure as the actual <laughs> general manager of the Browns. He's yes. been Sonny Weaver Jr. for for longer, uh, longer than the actual, the actual Browns last GM. two Browns general managers. I <laughs> yeah, think I felt really bad. Because we got to know these guys, and I think Lombardi's a really great. Oh, we love him. Yeah, he was Lombardi's such a great guy. And, awesome. Uh, and Joe Banner made the movie. Yeah, he's still in the movie. There's, there's sons of <laughs> there's stuff that fans are going to see and they're going to love 
these cameos, these these things that uh, that pop up in the on the screen. Ivan, thank you so much for coming on. This is this is great, great. pleasure. Pleasure. I'll thank see you, sir. I'll see you at the premiere. Yes, sir. I love saying that stuff out loud. <laughs> Ivan Reitman, go see Draft Day, April eleventh, and tell your friends right here on the Rich Eisen podcast. A legend. He is a legend, Ivan Reitman. Oh, no question, Rich. I mean, you think about the the seminal com- comedic moments, uh, the comedy films of the last 25 years. The names he was mentioned. Ivan too. Reitman has had a hand in yeah, them. Yeah, do yourself a favor and just IMDBM and just look at the list of producer credits and director. Uh, it's amazing. If you don't already know. If you don't know. Yeah, I mean, that was great. And Corolla, back to back. Those were good. In studios, he was, back uh, to back. He Corolla. was a little smitten there with uh, Bob Kraft calling How in. can you not be? Yeah. No. That's RKK. That's Robert Kraft, for crying out loud. That was awesome. Calling in, saying <laughs> Howard Stern gives you gives you, now, gives you high marks. Now, now, Come on. Robert Kraft says Howard Stern gives you high marks. How are you not giddy upon hearing that? Oh, that's great. Awesome. Now, kudos to you for, for organizing that. Do you want to tell the people how you got – uh, similar to the Aaron Rodgers of oh no, it's just the <laughs> usual drill of just you know we just want him to come come on and celebrate with uh, Corolla, and if we ask him about anything else, he is full Click right to line. hang up on me. Yep, full right to hang up on me. That's that how we booked Aaron Rodgers for Game of Thrones. That's We're not right. going to talk Packers. Which, I'm not going to talk way. about returns. This Sunday. it does on Sunday. Yeah, it does. The Khaleesi is back. Mm. With her dragons, and I refer to flying animals when I say her dragons. She's back with the dragons. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun. Uh, Thanks to Stacey James and the Patriots for uh, having Bob Kraft call in on having all the fun. And um, Corolla, Ivan Reitman, MJD. Now let's close the show with opens. Yes. Um, This all came about from several fans tweeting me. And at Chris Law, and um, I'm sure you saw some of it, Brockman. I did. That the open is ancient. That this is a show that is that 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 is proud. We're proud of the fact that we're weekly. We're sometimes twice a week, if we can do it. And we're once a week. There's stuff that happens each week. It's stuff that we're proud to say is fun and and memorable you went, and you, lasting. You, and 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 thus. If we had somebody who was dedicated, if there was their job dedicated to doing it, we could have a kick-ass open every week that was based on what we heard the previous week, or we even could. once every two weeks that we was based on that. the previous two weeks. That would be good. That is part of Chris Law's job description or job um, responsibility. It wasn't my goal setting for 2013. Maybe but, I'll put it in there for 14. But you have... You 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 do more than just this podcast for the NFL media conglomerate. You are a jack of many trades. I wear many hats, and you're a latex salesman. Not five point nine eight hats, which we'll talk about that later. But you're a latex salesman. <laughs> Don't forget hillbilly rich. All of that together equals an open that was last changed when? When was the last time? Uh, I believe it was around week six. Maybe, maybe. So October. Yeah, of 2013. It is now April 3rd. Because the Matt Damon stuff's in there. Of 2014. Yeah. So when you were gone on a site survey, another reason why these these opens linger in the inbox or your to-do list. Yes. uh, We threw it out there saying to fans, why don't you give it a try? And that spawned because I emailed Law saying that him and I should have a contest or we should open it up to the listeners, which he blatantly ignored. 
So now we <laughs> opened it up, and you have how many entries? Uh, ten, and but with a potential eleventh, actually. What do you mean potential eleventh? Um, there were some. We had a deadline set. Some people got in after. Right. Some people didn't follow rules. We're not, but, you we're know, we're not, not that time. We're not. Well, one on. of them's four and a half minutes long. So we well, that we get it. That's <laughs> that ridiculous. We can't do that one's I out. mean, it's not Inagata Davida for crying yeah. out loud. But uh, <laughs> it's an open. So here's what you guys. Here, here's what you guys need Shouldn't to do. Shouldn't be longer than the podcast. <laughs> here's what I'm thinking. You guys each get out a piece of paper, pen. <laughs> okay. Uh, you'll just rank them in, in order yeah. of which ones you think are best. You got one. I got one. Okay. And then we'll uh, we'll play all of them, and then we'll narrow it down to five. We'll throw up those five on the blog with the. Authors. But how do we how do we turn them? Number open one. Open one. I'm going to then give the shout out to the person's name or Twitter handle who just put yeah, the person's absolutely. name up there. Of course, sure. yeah. Okay, so this is open number one. This is open number one. These were submitted to our new email account, theeisenpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, wow. Which was started. And, that uh, cleared, it cleared, it cleared. It cleared. It cleared. It cleared. It cleared. It cleared the legal hurdles. Uh, we never asked. We, we probably never. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. No, it's fine. Yeah, it's I'm sure it's fine somewhere. Dude. Um, okay, so open right, number go. one let's go. I'm is, is from uh, at reject CK underscore CKY. He's a big listener of the podcast. At reject underscore which is yes, which you he's like the that. original actually shout out to him he's getting married this weekend Congrats, hey buddy. reject underscore ck well don't let that sway the voting now and i know look, brockman you know? used to have an underscore so that might have uh, that i was talking have... more about the wedding oh, but, uh, okay. <laughs> if you want to go underscore go okay. for it here we go here it is the open from reject cky don't forget the underscore the uh, quartet from Anchorman 2. Will Ferrell, Steve Carell, Dave Keckner, Paul Rudd. Good to see you, Richard. I haven't been called that in a while. Yeah. Anything yeah. but Dick. My father-in-law, Dick Morgan, would say when these kids would snicker, There was not a euphemism when I was growing up. Don't be afraid to laugh, people. Houston Oilers number one. It is Timothy Oliphant. So I'm like, this is bullshit. This whole thing is bullshit. <laughs> That's the new record, by the way, for bleepers. He just beat Bobby Cannavale. <laughs> well, Here just the way my mother raised me. <laughs> by the way, Obviously. Bobby Cannavale. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Joel McHale, what do you think of our parking lot here at NFL Network? It sucks shit. <laughs> Gillian Jacobs. You know who's had a lot of concussions? Joel McHale. Perhaps nine concussions? Nine is nothing compared to the next guest. Right? Johnny Knoxville. Oh, my God. The broken penis I'd be more concerned about <laughs> than the concussions. Bruce Dern. It's fabulous to be here. Jack Youngblood is now joining us right now. Jack, meet Bruce Dern. Bruce, you need to write a book. I wrote one that was out six years ago. Where were you, prick? Why didn't you buy it? <laughs> <laughs> Hell, everyone, and thank. All, All right. right. Okay. So, nice. how well long done. is that? That one was uh, fifty-eight seconds. All right, 59. that's a good length. That's a good length. Um, yeah. Here's what I liked about it: uh, the the Dern line. That's the that is the classic hmm. where he called um, Jack Young. Jack a lot Youngblood of people use that. Okay, yep. well, that's good. Uh, getting Gillian Jacobs in is is a plus because she's she's, she's, she's one of the, she's a favorite of the show and the Oliphant. Um, stuff is great. It is yep. a little blue, though. That's my concern. It's a lot of bleeps. It's really blue to open the show, and and I'm I'm just going to say it's great having the Anchorman group in there. That wasn't my favorite moments from the Anchorman. All okay. of that together, though, I like the length. I like some of the selections. Yep. Are we going to go Dancing with the Stars and break each just one break down? break it down like that? I just, just did that. I, I, I just did I, that. I, Fine. I, I, Let's I know, keep going. You can preserve. Just, yeah. No, okay. I'm yeah. just wondering. I think we you, you can certainly do that, but we can't just, do it for everyone. Um, Let's go ahead. Keep next is uh, at Jim in Palo Alto submits this gem. We'll listen here. Okay. From the NFC champion San Francisco 49ers, Michael Crabtree. Are you going to ask to see Anquan's Super Bowl ring? 
I wish I would have this photograph right now. The look you're getting <laughs> from Michael Crabtree. The most famous news team that's uh, around uh, currently and obviously back One. in the 70s. Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers number one. He is the deputy U.S. Marshal himself, Raylan Givens. It is Timothy Oliphant. That's the new record, by the way, for Bleakers. He just beat Bobby Cannavale. That's, that's 14. That's the new record right there. Well, thank very Cannavale type well, appearance. That's just the way my mother raised me. <laughs> Way, Bobby Cannavale. <laughs> <laughs> he is the creator and mind who put this thing, this fantastic artistic drama on television, and he is now sitting here in studio weeks later. Vince Gilligan, good to see you. He's, he's traveling through the desert, and he finds this uh, s statue, this what formerly enormous statue, Egyptian-type thing, and, and now... All right, I'm going to pod that one down because a couple issues with that one. No underscore music. Under well, bed, I mean, which uh, we, we're not going to discount that for some people because they might not have been well, able we did, to rip it. We did it. play it, actually, oh, okay. in its entirety. How long was that? That open? was long, too. It was a minute 25. Ooh. That's a little too long. And uh, a little bit of editing, no, not very smooth there. A little more oh, a little see, smoother transition. I don't want this to become a little catty because no, you're, you're... The claws aren't out. You, feel the, you hear the footsteps coming. I think we're just judging on content, right? Well, that makes it two for two in Oliphant. Two for two with Oliphant. And, and two for two in the Houston Oilers number one. Yeah, which was really fun. Uh, okay. Another, another next one. longtime listener here. He's uh, he's on Twitter, at uh, Goonies Since 85, which... What? I love the Goonies. At, at Goonies? Goonies Since 85. Goonies Since 85. Yes. Okay. I need to make sure I play the correct one, because he submitted two. How long is this one? Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Eisen. Pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast, Joel McHale. Hi, I'm going to the Rich Eisen. Uh, Rich Eisen works here, right? Okay. Uh, thank you. What a dick I am. <laughs> Dan Patrick, I look to you for pat on the back sometimes. Sometimes we all need one. Oh. Before the season, I picked San Francisco and Denver to go to the Super Bowl. Okay. Man, that's good picks there, Rich. I, I Thank you, Dan. I want to commend you for a great year with the NFL Network. Thank you. Seth Myers, how are you, Seth? You're the smartest guy in uh, in sports business. I'd like oh, to yeah. think so. I appreciate yeah, that. I'm Will Ferrell, Steve Carell, Dave Koechner, Paul Rudd. I have here actual wow. Super Bowl rings. Ooh, where's your ring? Do you think, um, where's it? Where's it ring? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happened. <laughs> We're just talking about football, guys. See now, does does Law ever do that? I was that? just gonna say, he, Kaveh got right into <laughs> teeing up the guests. He showed up, Law. Houston Oilers number one. All right, I I like the Richard Eisen stuff at the top. At the beginning. Yeah. Normally, that's what closes the right. the open, correct? Yes. That's uh, an interesting choice. Uh, the Joel McHale was funny. Was does, funny? Does Rich Eisen work here? That was a that, funny that one is a, That's a theme throughout, too. We got a lot of those. Oh. It's good coming up. That's an odd an odd uh, DP choice. I like working in for um, Seth Myers talking about how I'm the smartest guy. Yep. I like that. Of course. Um, okay. You guys got them ranked still? Let's go. On, let's move this along. How uh, long was that one? That one was a minute. We we told everyone a minute, so I'm going to cut okay. these off at about a minute anyway. If they're yeah. not, if they go beyond that, mm, let's uh, go. Now this guy was a professional. How long is your open? Your open's it's over a minute. No, it's about 48 seconds. I have extended it to a minute now. Now that's at the record. Mm. When the record skips, 
or now, scratches. But it takes really long for the uh, world's the most interesting man to come yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, your opens all longer than a minute. Uh, we're never going to get through this if we keep Dude, harassing me. This is we're we're we're, we're, we're allotting the proper amount of of time Num- to this. Number four. All right, our number first four, international submission, uh, all the way right. from Madrid, Spain. Hey, uh, hey, this hey, guy hey. was a professional. He uh, he worked at ESPN for a brief period oh, good. of time back in the early 2000s. Did he tell you? It's in the included in the email. This is Charles. No Twitter handle associated. with this is Charles. Twitterless Charles from Spain. Roll Charles it. from Spain. Here you go, Carlos. <laughs> Rain Wilson here on the Rich Eisen podcast. How are you? you know, I you know what my I Microsoft reminder is? What is it? Paul Allen freaking calls me on the phone <laughs> to remind me. <laughs> Back on the Rich Eisen podcast, Dennis Miller. This has come to the fore because of the Welker punt that wasn't fielded, and obviously the muff that led to the field goal. Is that that's called the Peter play? Free love days when Peter and Muff in the same setting. <laughs> Different. Joel McHale is going to be on this show. I was supposed to be in studio, and uh, I'm not. I'm in my car. <laughs> I'm going to the Rich Eisen. Uh, Rich Eisen works here, right? <laughs> Johnny Knoxville. You know Jared, right? Yeah, I love Jared Allen. The, the idea was to catch a pass over the middle and him just run at me. And uh, he really hits hard. <laughs> Pleased to be joined by the cast of Anchorman 2. Good to see you, Richard. I have here actual wow. Super Bowl ring. You're very delicate. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And I think this one has a chocolate center. Don't be afraid to laugh, people. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. I like that one. That I, one was good. I think we have a clubhouse leader right now. Okay. Carlos from Spain, who really wants to be known as Charles. Who really wants to be as, The worldwide leader in sports. Joel, Our second. Joel McHale has made it into every one of them so far. He's the only in the Anchorman crew. In the Anchorman crew. Yeah, I have this yeah. all written down, who's in every one. Okay, let's roll. Number five. Um, this guy... Uh, this guy submitted five intros, and then once we rolled it down to one, he resubmitted. He's pretty hardcore. He's from Montreal, our second uh, international submission. This is uh, Louis Philippe from Louis Philippe. Oh, from Montreal. Louis Philippe from Montreal. Here we go. Roulette. The always hilarious <laughs> Frank Caliendo. These three friends were on their way to the Super Bowl. That's where they found happiness. Nothing is better than Morgan Freeman saying happiness. Dave Damashek. The batter, when he steps into the batter's box, gets to choose what is essentially his theme music. You step into the batter's box, and then you lock eyes with the pitcher. You lip sync. I saw you with another man. You're beautiful. You start doing that. Four pitch balls. He wants you out of his hair. He Just, just get him out of just my get way. Him out, get him Maybe out. he puts one in your ear. Either way, you're standing Either on first base. Savvy. Timothy Oliphant. What do you think Namath was, was thinking at that moment? Not they just much. handed him the coin. and he, I agree with Rich. If I were to speculate, I think he was thinking, yeah, I'm this cool. <laughs> Let's get to the Anchorman 2. The Oilers had edible jerseys. It was similar to a fruit roll-up. Remember what Burrow said? He's like, don't make it great then, and I won't eat it. <laughs> That's one of those famous NFL film moments I think you're referring to, that they caught that moment. <laughs> I told the guy, don't make it great! <laughs> Hell, everyone. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. There, the don't, guys, make don't, make don't make it great. Don't make it great. Don't make it great. That is great. That's one of my favorite lines um, from that. I, I'm, I'm going to tread lightly here because we love this man, right? Yeah, Demashek's not lo- making the open to the podcast. We, we, love, <laughs> we love him. But right. maybe, maybe you know, because the French and Montreal is French-Canadian, they love Jerry Lewis. Maybe Damashek is the Jerry Lewis of football. <laughs> right? 
They love Damashek in Montreal. Well, we have a we have a large following that listen to our podcast, Damashek's right. ATL. So right, yes. you know, they're blending everything in. I, as, was, but as you put it, I've tried to be artful and delicate about it. You just let Damashek's not making the. Well, open I knew of this where program. you were going with it. There was no need to try. I, I did like getting Caliendo in, but was that was that like was a long two time years ago. Well, well right? as he told me in the emails, deep in uh, the archives, he he's been pushing for that one for for a while. But, is that um, jo- is that Louis Philippe on the phone right yeah, now? He's call- Hello, hello. International calling plans. Here. Hello. Okay, yeah, number six. All right, number six. This one comes from Paul, and I'll see if Paul has a Twitter handle. He does not, but he is from the great Keystone State in Harrisburg. This is uh, Paul's yeah, intro. That's where I was born. Oh, nice. You're all over the map. The cast of Anchorman 2. The Oilers had edible jerseys. It's similar to a fruit roll-up. So, Stop eating your jerseys. Yeah, eating people your people jersey. made a big deal out of Mark Sanchez when he had that hot dog. Pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen Park host of Late Night with Seth Meyers. How are you, Seth? I'm good. It's glad, I'm glad to be back on the show. Yeah, Peyton Manning, was he the best? I always say he was the only host who um, had a, a, like a color-coded binder. No, he did not. He did. At he was the best. He was the best. There's no question, right? He was the best on the show. Barkley was the best to spend a week with. <laughs> <laughs> the magical Van Peasy himself. Sometimes we get bumped for reruns okay. of strongman competitions or some nonsense. <laughs> I probably have seen over 200 episodes. What I'm a staggering, sure staggering wow. collection of nimwits we are. Jerry Seinfeld, good to see you. Good to see you. It's just like, always like the Giants, like Hollers. I think it's very tough for a green team to win. Is that right? Yeah. If your team is a green, mm-hmm. very tough. It's just too mild. <laughs> Just kind of mild. Yeehaw. As an accent caller, fine. <laughs> I'm stunned it took six to get Seinfeld in there. Yeah. Yeah. SVP, that was cool. An SVP one. The Nimwit line's funny. All right, let's go to number seven. Okay, number seven. This is uh, Matisse, another international submission from Hamburg, Germany. Matisse. Matisse. Um, okay. Man, make sure straight straight out of the Impressionist era. Oh. What do you got? An operator error? We got a four oh four file not found situation. Go. Okay, here we go. Cool. To have on the Rich Eisen podcast winner, the Cannes Film Festival for Best Actor, Bruce Dern. By the time I sit down through the door comes Mr. Hitchcock. No way. Well, Hitch was so wide he couldn't get in an ordinary chair. So when he'd sit down in it and it had arms like this, when he got up, the whole chair came with him. <laughs> and he would always turn to me and he said, "A hand." Bruce. And I'd have to pull the legs off his butt so the chair could go back down. Jack Youngblood is now joining us right now. Bruce, you need to write a book. I did write. I wrote one that was out six years ago. Where were you, prick? Why didn't you buy it? (laughs) (laughs) Producer Chris Law here along with fellow producer Chris Brockman. Richard's always like, oh, it's your humble host here. I feel like we're equally as humble. I I feel like our humbleness is underrated. Timothy Oliphant, the straight talk is about to get straighter. Those assholes aren't playing. This is bullshit. This whole thing is bullshit. Get these assholes off. Sucker, construct. It's the new record for Blue <laughs> It's the way my mother raised me. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thanks. For- All right. I like that one. It's a little blue. It's a lot of Dern. It doesn't mix a lot of stuff in. Only three guests. Blue well, two is two guests. Not even, yeah, no. And, 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 and you knuckleheads. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Let's, uh, Let's roll on. We've got eight, nine, ten, and eleven. We need we need more clubhouse leaders here, Law. I'm gonna be honest with you here. Okay, so I'm, I'm touched that so many people did oh, this. It's by the awesome. way, awesome. So this right, one, go ahead. this one comes in from Gregory. Uh, no last name or no uh, Twitter handle associated with it. And here you go. Go. 
Pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast, Joel McHale. Yes, I was supposed to be in the studio, and uh, I'm not. I'm in my car. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk as you pull up into the driveway. Hi, I'm going to the Rich Eisen. Uh, Rich Eisen works here, right? Okay. Uh, thank you. Pat McAfee in the freaking flesh. Hey, What's going on? Let's, with let's talk about this car you rolled up in today. Yeah. Bright candy apple red cor- convertible Corvette. Convertible Corvette. Top down? Don't know how to put the top down, Rich. <laughs> I couldn't turn it off. So I parked it in front of my friend's apartment, locked for two hours with it on. <laughs> it is Timothy Oliphant. Good to see you. How are you? I actually made football jerseys for all the PAs on the show one season. And on the front, it said Deadwood Football. And on the back, it would say Hooplehead. Or it would say Struck. That's oh. the new record, by the way, for Bleepers. He just beat Bobby Cannavale. That's, that's 14. Yeah. <laughs> that's the new record right there. By the way, Obviously. Bobby Cannavale. <laughs> All right, okay, that, like that's, that. that's in. I like that's that in. one. That's in. Let's, let's, can you close your Microsoft little, Outlook it, for the it, next five minutes, It's closed. Please? A little backstory on Would that. Would you mind? It's closed. Well, well, nobody's Rich. getting you to a meeting. <laughs> no, you no, have no, hold on. no, hold on Actually, a You have no, no site surveys. <laughs> There's a backstory, Rich, here. Rich is standing. I will personally tell Mark Brady to stop emailing you. <laughs> Rich, this if is that's e- what it takes. Actually, this is even better. You're gonna like this. Three Rich. more opens. When you were uh, when you were on vacation uh, last week, when Law and I hosted, and we we played the sound bed so everyone would have the clean <sighs> sound bed. He got an email yeah, the during the sound. So bed. it's probably gonna be on most of these. <laughs> All just, right. Have you closed your Outlook, please? It's it's not open. That's playing under everyone's because when we played it for them to use, oh, he there was one went off. The ultimate so, latex moment. So in every single open, the audio bed. <laughs> oh my lord, Rich! It couldn't have happened any better. I'm not going to lie. All right, here's Keith. This one's from Keith in uh, East Kilbride, Scotland. His submission: Big Giants fan. Holy smokes. Rain Wilson here on the Rich Eisen Podcast. Soul Pancake, what, what can we promote about this? What can we do about this? Nothing? There's nothing you can do. We don't need your help. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing fine. That is There's the best promote. response to anything I've ever <laughs> attempted to promote on the three-plus-year history of this show. Yeah. Eric Stone Street. How are you, Eric? You have a tight end with the last name Butt. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, was that... on the, I was on the sidelines and I'm like, butt is all over us. Get butt off us. Colin Hanks, good to see you, sir. Whenever they cut to the coach, we talk about what kind of stepfather that head coach is. Mike Shanahan is the father, as the stepfather just calls you turd. And he just makes, he makes fun of you. That's Shanahan. Yeah, that's Shanahan. Charles Barkley. How are you, Charles? We get so enamored with talent. can all run and jump. I just so kind of did, but I wouldn't put him in an NBA game. <laughs> all right. That, uh, it's it's new, some new blood some there. New blood. It's new blood. You got Colin Hanks, who I, I, I personally love. Yeah, Stone Street is a good one. I like that one. It, it do doesn't too. finish. It's not the best line from Barkley that we could have. All right. We got two more. Let's go to it. I, I can't believe only one Seinfeld has been used. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this one is from, uh, his name is Hertz, and I'm assuming it comes from an internationalist. Let's hope his first name isn't Dick. (laughs) Come on, the three-year-old in me just had to say that. Pleased to have on the Rich Eisen Super Bowl special from New York City, Jerry Seinfeld. One time I saw my daughter watching an episode. I said, are you watching this because you like this show? Because your dad is on it. Right. And she said, I don't know. Colin Hanks, good to see you, sir. Jim Harbaugh's stepdad. He's talking to you. Hey, man, what's up? What you doing? No, not much. I'm thinking about you. You're what? 
<laughs> Pleased to have back on the Rich Eisen podcast the uh, Emmy Award winning actor. Eric Stone Street people. This tragic sign and they moved him across the street and I read the comments under and it said, well, at least by kicking him over to the other side of the street, he gained 10 yards. <laughs> Hell over. All right. Well, that was short. 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 A, a little context on the Stone Street one would have helped, but yeah, it was still true. The short but sweet. Good okay. job, Hertz. So that was number 10. This is uh, number Last 11. One. This is Pat from uh, Pat from Syracuse. There was one that I got I thought was excellent. We're not including it here. Oh, remember maybe, that? Maybe it hasn't. Maybe it just didn't go to the Gmail address. I got tweeted it. Uh, well, maybe you can send it to me. or Yeah. It was tweeted to me. It sounded great. All right, let's go. This is uh, this is Pat from Syracuse. It's Pat McAfee on the Rich Eisen podcast. This is such an incredible honor. I'm marking this down on the calendar as day of my life. <laughs> so it's your birthday, like it was Trenton Holiday's birthday. That's what we'll say. This will be a little holiday in my life, being on the Rich Eisen podcast. Oh, you're just you're just full of it, Pat. Dennis Miller returning to the program. What does Thanksgiving look like in the in the Dennis Miller household? Well, we have uh, turducken tea, which is a turkey inside, a duck inside, a chicken inside. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. <laughs> That's <laughs> indeed lovely and talented Miss Aisha Tyler. And oh. the white guy. <laughs> Emmy Award-winning actor from the Emmy Award-winning comedy Modern Family, Eric Stone Street, returns to the program. You know what I love about having Andy Reid as, as, as the head coach of Kansas City Chiefs is that I have an all-time permanent Halloween costume. For <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. And- all right. Okay, I like, we did I get like one, that. We got I did one, like that one. One, one no, more late one in. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I'm going to say this right now. I'm, we're going to keep this contest open another week. Okay. People have heard... What what we're looking for what here? What they're up against? I don't think I we like gave enough idea. direction. Let me let me. Play I don't w- think we gave enough. Di- I li- I, here's what I'm I'm going to give a little bit of direction. Well, you clearly didn't re- listen to Brockman and I's podcast because we gave direction. No, right? you gave direction, but now you're hearing it straight from from the top. If from I may, top, if yeah. I may use that phrase. <laughs> okay. And the final three minutes of this show. I like Dern. I like Oliphant. Joel McHale stuff is good. I gotta have. I I have, just. I have to have Seinfeld in this open. I have to. Just of what it what it meant for him to sit down on this show, Super Bowl week. He had a great. What a, hit, uh, my a lot DNA. Of good lines. Who I am, where I'm from, my DNA, and the amount of time it took to book that. <laughs> Three years. Well, play? I mean, it, it, it was it 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 required, and, and it's not like he was difficult. It just required. Yeah, it was great. Um, many many. A lot it, of good, it was time a lot consuming. A lot of good one-liners. So, there. I like Colin Hanks too. But we can't have anything over a minute, right? That one is me now. Did you have a meeting? Well, no, I was going to play. What meeting is it? Unbelievable. Tell me the meeting. Tell me the meeting. Tell me the meeting. I want the meeting. I want the meeting, and I want the location, <laughs> and I want the time duration of the meeting. I want all of that information right now. I don't care if we don't close the show properly because we don't have enough time left. I want all of it. It's actually a reminder. Uh, it's a reminder. Even the, freaking it's better. It's a reminder. A it's not like you're late for anything. It's for it's the a podcast close to, to make sure we worked in the guest things because we thought we were going a little later. Oh, is that what that was? That's what that oh, was. So okay. you don't have a meeting? No, no meeting. So this was actually podcast related. Podcast related. Okay. All right. So uh, let's, let's, let's keep it open because I also got a couple. I didn't know. I thought for some reason that whoever was tweeting me these links 
would send it to the so it's got to show up at the Gmail. It's got to show up at the Gmail account okay. for us to play. So it all of you folks out there it. who tweeted me opens, I got some really good ones sent like by some like Dream Cloud or whatever the heck it is. Sound, I no, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Yep. All right, send it to what's the address? Uh, the Eisen Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, we're gonna keep this competition open, but we I have marked down my sheet here of what I, I liked some of them. Yeah, me too. I, did I liked some. There wasn't one that I just like said that's, but there's. I, I, that's not true. I mean, there's so, there's some in here no, that's were, really good. there were a few. Usable that really 100% that I have no problem opening the show with. But let's let's keep it open another week. We'll end the show with, with, with my open, which is all right. What do you mean? I did an open, too. Oh. Yeah. It took this for you to actually get done what well, we asked you Well, I'm not going to lie. Do. When I heard a couple of these, they demotivated me. I'm like, ah, oh, these are good enough. I don't need to do one. But then I was like, oh, I should do one. But I didn't want to do the same thing everyone demoted had done. you? De- demotivated Okay. Me. Go ahead. Um, last last one here so okay. we can get out of here. This is yours. Yeah. Chris Laws. At Chris the uh, quartet uh, from Anchorman 2. Will Ferrell, Steve Carell, Dave Koechner, Paul Rudd. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers number one. Rain Wilson here on the Rich Eisen podcast. How are you? Is that is that the twelfth man? Have the you un- been in that stadium? Uncanny. Your ears literally bleed. They should hand out like ear tampons. <laughs> uh, at lt underscore twenty one. Do you follow me on Twitter? Uh oh. The headsets are coming off. Let's check it out. Oh, no, you don't. You don't. I know you're. I know you're known for your lateral movement, but don't you leave just yet. When you spoke to the commissioner, Roger, the, Roger the goods, Goodell. When he comes down the hallway, everyone goes, "Here comes, the here goods. comes the goods." Here comes right? the goods. He is Vince Vaughn. How are you, Vince? I oh. got to tell you, I did take David Wilson early in my fantasy draft. Uh-huh. Who else is on your fantasy team? I'm in an 18-man league. We call it a man's league, Rich. <laughs> if you sold little Seahawks-colored ear tampons yes. at the gates, you'd make a fortune. Awesome. NFL. NFL. Oh NFL. Completely. Screw yourself. Yay. Where's Jerry Jones? Grab the Grab the hot trophy. Jerry Jones did it. Houston Oilers number one. Hello, everyone. All right, that's over a minute. That was that was a minute ten. Oh. Guess what, You're Rich? Following your own rules. You know what, Rich? I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I'm You're gonna doing it? I'm gonna have an open next Love week. It. So here's what we're here's what I want. I want more opens. Laws. I I, I got to tell you, your tampon. Two mentions of it at the top of a program. Uh, yeah, you know. Look, I was up against it. He's up, feeling the pressure, Rich. Right? He is. He is feeling the pressure. He is sweating. I'm going to make another uh, uh, one. Thank you, though. And and what's the? He sent out the email address again. Uh, the Eisen Podcast at gmail.com. Same okay. as the Twitter account, but just at Gmail. Very good. I'm pleased about that. So Th- much fun. Thanks again to um, to uh, the good folks of uh, the New England Patriots for getting Bob Kraft. Thanks to Adam Carolla, Maurice Jones-Drew. Also, thanks to Ivan Reitman, uh, Chip Namius being the man to, yeah. to go ahead and do it now and all that. Chip Namius. Um, w- one more thing. Um, we got a golf tournament coming up Monday at, uh, here in, in the Los Angeles area to help raise funds for the local Red Cross. You guys are going to play in this with me, correct? Correct. Yes. You guys were in it? In. A- and here's what I'd like for, for, for uh, folks to do if you want to take part in this and you want to have fun or – um, hosting the inaugural American Red Cross Celebrity Classic this Monday at the good folks of uh, Lakeside Country Club in Burbank. It supports the Red Cross U.S. Disaster Relief response to approximately uh, 70,000 disasters in the U.S. every year, the Red Cross does, ranging from home fires that affect single family um, to, uh, to hurricanes that affect tens of thousands. Uh, f- for more information, uh, go to donate to the Red Cross 
org. Okay. Yep, we'll tweet out some stuff about it too, where yep. people can donate. Yep. Also, They're doing all that good stuff. Thanks, Rich. At Chris Law, at Chris Brockman, I'm at Rich Eisen for At the Eisen Podcast. Peace out. I want new opens, and I want Seinfeld in it, people. Stay listening, dear friends.